Kevin, give me the name of a veteran in the Bowen family or circle of friends. For example, my grandfather, uh, George Quarry, my cousin Brad Quarry, those are two that jump out to me. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I had forgotten today's veterans. I, I hate to say that. I, I didn't. Let me rephrase that. Veterans Day. I mean, I knew that it was this week, and then I looked this morning, and I'm like, here. We, I mean, I, here we are. Veterans Day kind of crept up, but it is Veterans Day nonetheless. So, a thank you to those who have served uh, to the United States military in some form or fashion. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Ben Bueller, a um, friend and. I thought it was a really cool moment on Wednesday night at the Pacer game, Jake. That was pretty much yeah. the central theme. You yeah, exactly. So have these themes, I think, at every kind of Pacer game, Colt game throughout the year. They had, um, I believe it was a veteran that did the revving up of the IndyCar at the start of the night, and then they had a nice little halftime um, honoring as well, the first time out. Um, it's always cool, I think, to see like each bench react to that. You know, you don't see the Pacers Nuggets all of a sudden just so into like their huddle that they can't even acknowledge what's going on on the floor. That was a um, that was a cool moment. I did not know that, so thank you for bringing that up. If you had to have served in the military, not had to have, but you know, if you picked one, which one did you think? Which one have you always thought would be the most benefit, like the coolest for you? Yeah, I felt like my dad always had like this affinity for aviation. So yeah, I, totally, the I Air Force, the Air right? Force. Yeah. Um, was fortunate to go to West Point when I was younger. We've got some family that live uh, in New York. Gosh, you talk about a, just a gorgeous, gorgeous part of um, part of New York. Uh, but yeah, I would say Air Force. You? Air Force as well. I always thought the Coast Guard would be kind of cool too. But I, I think I'd have to go with Air Force. Mark Dykton, for you, any family members or family friends? Uh, my grandfather, who's been gone for 17 years now, he was in the Korean War. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Veterans Day. Thank you to all of those yes. veterans yep, yep. who have served on a Friday, Kevin. Here we are, ready for the weekend, right? Gosh, what a week! <laughs> I feel like I felt like it was Friday. We earned the weekend this week, right? Four days ago, um, the Colts are going to play a football game on Sunday, Jake. Think about like when this game appeared on the schedule: Colts Raiders. Hey, Josh McDaniels facing the Colts. Um, do you remember Yanni Kangakwe and Rock Yassin were traded for each other? That's right. They're facing their former teams. Gus Bradley, uh, defensive coordinator here in Indy. Ironically enough, Gus Bradley was passed up for the interim role last year with the Raiders. Remember the whole Gruden drama? Right. Uh, they made the playoffs with an interim coach, and he was passed up for the interim job here, and now he's facing, of course, um, his former team. I'm calling this the soap opera bowl. This is Days of Our Lives versus General Hospital. That's probably fair. I four o'clock on Sunday, the soap opera bowl with Kevin Harlan and Trent Green on the call. Really? Do you recall we discussed the fact with the New England game that it felt like it was kind of a game that could send teams in two different directions because it was a water, of course, for the Colts, it clearly was a watershed game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are the Colts past that point now? Or is the same thing true with this game with the Raiders? Or the Raiders, is their season already done? Well, mathematically, I don't think the Colts are there just yet. Uh, obviously, the product on the field would indicate they're pretty close to being there. Um, 
it's odd. You look at the Raiders, and they have a worse record than the Colts, but undoubtedly they, they've played better football than the Colts. They've blown three 17-point leads this season. All their losses are one-possession games. Like, they haven't been outclassed. The Colts have been outclassed in a couple of games. New England and Jacksonville would be the two that that come to mind. Um, And in my opinion, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. This is the best trio the Colts have faced all year, right? Yeah, that's, that's fair. Like, Josh Jacobs is a stud at running back. Devontae Adams is a stud, and Derek Carr, I when think, you, is a nice quarterback. When you go with all three, you're probably right, because Kansas City, for example. Right, and I guess Kelsey you could slot into that wideout role. Uh, Denver, of course, falling off a cliff. The AFC South does not have offensive potency, and New England. You know, you realize that on the program this morning... <clears throat> Uh, Matt Taylor going to join us at 9 o'clock, and that's where Matt Taylor and I will talk about how much we love Derek Carr, right? Oh, you guys do? I I, I probably... <laughs> can I join? I probably am a little bit more of a Carr guy than... I mean, hell, I picked the Raiders to go to the Super Bowl. I, I think Derek Carr <laughs> has been... Look, I don't watch every Raiders game and every, every, every Raiders moment, but the times when I have watched the Raiders, I have always been impressed with Derek Carr's accuracy but more so just kind of his leadership. Like, he just looks like a guy that his teammates like him. He seems poised in the big moments. I think he throws a really good ball, like, uh, over the middle. Um, I, I don't know why it, that, that that is not equated to a lot of wins for the Raiders. Again, I don't watch them enough to probably know. But there was a point, and I can't remember if it was the end of last year or the beginning of this year where the Raiders were playing. It might have been, were they on Monday night, like at the beginning of the year? Sounds right. But I remember he made a play late in the game, like a game-saving drive, and he completed a pass that was just a thread of the needle. Well, how about the ball last year, Jake, to Hunter Renfro to kind of win the game here? Yeah. Remember that? I, I, exactly. Beat Kenny Moore. Renfro beat Kenny Moore. Shaquille Leonard almost had a sack on Carr, and that was... But you want to talk about a play that maybe changed everything for the last 10 months of the Colts? That play. Well, I remember I I had texted Matt Taylor right at that as that happened and said, that's why we both have a man crush on him. And he immediately wrote back and said, like, that's total leadership. Like, he just... there's I do think that Derek Carr just has kind of an it factor about him. Uh, I don't know why it hasn't translated to, to better success for the Raiders, truth be told. Um... And when I say soap opera, Jake, obviously we know the soap opera here in Indy. How about the Raiders yesterday? Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller both go on injured reserve. Their skill group, <laughs> if they could just stay healthy, would have a ton of guys. So those are two key skill guys that will not be playing on Sunday. And how about this one? Their leading tackler from last week retired yesterday. <laughs> The way you said that is the best. Did you have that on your bingo card? That's not on the Colts soap opera bingo card yet, right? Zaire Franklin is still good to Give go. It for, for, for Give it time. Give it time, Kevin. <laughs> the game doesn't start for another 48 oh, hours. I will say, I I found it odd that Shaquille Leonard did not practice yesterday. He was a new addition on the injury report. The injury report's got a lot of... Got a lot of individual storylines. Jonathan Taylor, good news. Uh, up to a full participant yesterday. How about Matt Ryan making an appearance at practice? 
And give me the latest on Matt Ryan in terms of the injury report. Yeah, so he was full yesterday. First work in three weeks. I'm starting to get mixed messages on Matt Ryan playing again this season. Elaborate. Jake, when he was benched three weeks ago, I said he's not going to play the rest of the year. There's a financial component to that. Um, and just to go over that, he's already got, I think it's $12 million guaranteed for next season. Um, he's got a couple of injury guarantees that if he were to get hurt, I believe that adds up to $17 million in injury guarantees. If he were to get hurt here in 2022 for next season, that you would have to pay him. But I... I I'm starting to think there's a possibility he plays again this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that that seems within the realm of reasonable to assume. Now, remember, Jeff Saturday said earlier this week it will be Sam Ellinger as the starter, but we'll have to see Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, who is the backup there. It does look like the tight end position uh, going to be pretty banged up. Kylan Granson, I guess the only healthy tight end. On the active roster, no Jelani Woods yet this week. No Mo Ali Cox. A shoulder injury for Woods. Mo Ali Cox with an ankle injury. Do you know many people that are going out for it? I mean, I know Bullseye Event Group's taking a group out there. I actually probably know more people going to IU Arizona and Vegas next month than Colts Raiders. I could see that. Just because. Partially because IU, I, you know, I think people are jazzed about IU basketball this year, right? I flipped back and forth. I was locked in on Notre Dame Radford last night, by the way. How'd the Irish look? Oh, my gosh. I was ready to fire Mike Bray about 37 times. Now, that's I was going to say, that's an annual tradition for you, isn't it? Um, I've, I've started to side with that, and then he just he pulls me back. It's just, a, just such a love-hate relationship. Uh, they won by three. Bray tried to justify Radford as a team that could win their conference afterwards. I didn't have time for that. Nonetheless, we won't talk about that game ever again. But I flipped back and forth with IU and Bethune-Cookman. Um, Indiana's depth is particularly impressive. I would agree with that. And what they got last night in, in spurts, which has been their question mark, and probably the one thing that you most wonder about, and that is outside shooting. And yeah. the way that they moved the ball last night and would move the ball around and then kick it out to the corners for open threes was impressive. I mean, they were... Well, they hit 10 last night? Yeah, I mean, they... And they, they shot it well from the foul line. Which when they, they are the able night. to do that, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, Miller Cop shot it well. Again, guys off the bench. Galloway, Geronimo, um, Malik Renew just... I remember saying this when he committed, Jake. You, like, watch him, and he's not, like, five-star flash. He's just a really solid basketball player. Makes the right plays. I think, honestly, him being left-handed probably helps as well. Uh, yeah, they absolutely smoked Bethune-Cookman. Now, Malik Renault, I was that was the one that I was told at the beginning of the year, like, yeah, he's probably going to be like a three-year guy, maybe not a starter right. or a contributor right away. Boy, that was wrong. No, I, I, I could see him being there for a couple of years. But yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, like, I mean, he, he looks like a guy that's he's clearly going to contribute this year. Like, when I think of a five-star, I think of you can jump out of the gym, you know, you can you shoot it. From the perimeter at six nine, and you know, for some reason, I'm picturing like Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, that's not Renew's game. Again, it's a little bit kind of a throwback style. Um, so yeah, Indiana 
absolutely smoked Bethune Cookman. I did not watch one play of Falcons Panthers. Uh, likewise, you didn't miss much. Did you watch Mark? Well, uh, <laughs> I had a you degenerate a, a little bit of a, a wager on it was over twenty five yards or more for Kyle Pitts and DJ Moore, and oh, I was I sweating that, that twenty five yards till the end of the game for Kyle Pitts. And he finally hit it. Okay. Well, so so it, took on three, you. it took four quarters. Well, we better go to like some dollar menu then. I didn't put that much money on it. Jamaica patties? We can get Jamaica Ooh, patties. They're, they're, sure. Okay. Kevin, you've had Jamaica uh, patties, sure. right? Oh, yeah. Tyler Keever and I have been there several times back in the day. Yeah, Maddie walked out the door last night to get a drink with some friends, and she's like, it was one of those like, oh, you know, you're going to watch Thursday night football? like, And I'm like, no, not at all. Falcons Panthers has zero interest. Al Michaels was snarky the whole time for it. He's like, "Well, we'll have better games coming up. Don't worry, and all that stuff." Is twenty five fifteen a scoregami? It might be. Jake, you've been our numbers guy. Stand by. What do you think? Twenty five is kind of hard to get to, right? But I think fifteen, you could kick a bunch of field goals. I guess. I would think if it was a scoregami, we'd know it by now because it, that it says no scoregami. That scores happened three times before, most recently on November fourth, two thousand twelve. Really? Mm-hmm. Who runs that account? I don't know. Last time it was uh, Ravens Browns. Now tomorrow for your viewing audience, and again the weather going to get start to get chilly tonight. Regionals around the state of Indiana for the high school football playoffs. Greg Rakestraw. Joins us at 8 o'clock to discuss that. Michael Lewis, by the way, at 8.30, the Ball State men's basketball coach, the pride of Jasper, Michael Lewis, going to be on the show. Uh, Tomorrow, it is a heavy noon slate locally. Uh, Notre Dame and Navy, you've got Indiana at Ohio State. The line is dropping. Down to what, 35? Uh, Last I saw was 38. I saw Tom Allen on with Dan yesterday saying, oh boy, now it's climbing again. It's up to 40. Uh, that Dexter Williams, the freshman, will play some, but Connor Baselick going to be the starter there. It's still unbelievable that they started to do in the transfer portal last week. Kevin, if you are into November, if around the time that you're figuring out who's bringing what to the Thanksgiving table, you're also figuring out who your quarterback's going to be, then you suck. <laughs> right? Yep, that's a, that's a very... Accurate way to put it. Purdue, Illinois tomorrow at noon. That is the game that Jeff Brom's bunch needs. Need a little bit of help. I think you went out, Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana, or excuse me, Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana, uh, Wisconsin, or Iowa lose a game. You're here. You know, going back to Al Michaels being snarky, I saw, Kevin, you would know better than I on this. Did they do for the first week or two Mark, you might know this. I don't know. The Amazon games that were on Amazon Prime, the Thursday Night Football, was there like a free pass for the first week or two on those? A 30-day free trial, yeah. So you got the first month. Because really? 30 days? Supposedly, mm-hmm. the ra- the ratings is probably the wrong word because I don't think they do ratings for a stream service. But the views in general, I guess, has dropped massively, right? Mm-hmm. And people were like, well, yeah, because now people are having to pay for it. Although most places like, I mean, I was at dinner last night and they had the game on. So, I mean, you can, you know, bars can get it. Restaurants can get it. I mean, if you have Amazon Prime, which a lot of people, I, do, I think you already most get it do. anyway. So, I mean, I, I don't know how many people, but I know I didn't have it until 
the football season started, so I've paid the fourteen ninety nine now that the thirty day free trials ended. But the games do get now. You say next week's better. really good, right? We get Titans at Packers. So yeah. that, that's a solid one. Then you get Bills at Patriots. Now the Packers are they still playing games? I don't know. Boy, but I can tell you one thing. Packers suck. Yes, they do. Mark, care to share what shirt you're wearing on this Friday? Oh, it's a shirt that just says I'm allergic to Green Bay. (laughs) Have you been to Green Bay? No. Kevin, have you been to Green Bay? Yeah, we uh, quite town. I like Green Bay. Yeah, stayed in Appleton, but then went to Colts Packers. Boy, that was probably one of the better wins the Pagano Grigson era. Jordan Todman returned to the opening kick for a touchdown. Luck threw a bunch of early interceptions. They overcame that and won. For some reason, 2016 is popping into my head. Did you like Lambo? Oh, yeah. I mean, how can you not, right? There's not one corporate ounce to it at all. It's beautiful. Uh, by the way, on a good-looking start to the Friday, and I think I mentioned Greg Rexro going to join us at 8 o'clock, Michael Lewis, the Ball State basketball coach, 8.30 this morning, and then Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, at 9 o'clock. Yesterday at 10, for those that are waiting on pins and needles, which I know are you know most of you, uh, never did get an answer to the Mitch mystery. The I don't know who Mitch is. I nobody came knocking. Maybe daylight savings time was it eleven or oh, nine? Did you well, we were in a meeting at eleven, and I never got any messages like, "Hey, there's a Mitch here to see you." Nothing. Nothing. Maybe it was ten o'clock at night. A little heartbroken. No, I I just was kind of hoping for answers because I was very befuddled by all of it. So who knows, right? Pacers back All that action. money on flowers down the drain. That's right. <laughs> Pacers Raptors tomorrow night. I forgot about Thaddeus Young still hanging around. He's had a really nice NBA career. He's had a re- he was a good player here. Raptors tonight are in Oklahoma City, so the Pacers will get them off a of back-to-back. Uh, Pascal Siakam, their leading scorer, banged up, so it doesn't sound like he will give it a go. The Pacers are in this... Kind of a one game every three nights or so. The schedule will start to get a little bit more every other night coming up, but that's the only action for the Pacers this weekend. Greg Gregstraw, by the way, also on the call of the Monon Bell game. Do we have a line on that? Wabash uh, Wabash by six. I, I don't know. I seven and two little giants, eight and one Tigers in Greencastle. Oh, it's in Greencastle. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Uh Wabash or uh, DePaul by six. That's the line. It just it swung. I'll take Wabash plus six. Do you want to make a wager on it? Sure. Loser sings the fight song? Let's do it. So wait, which one am I getting? Uh, you've got DePaul, it sounds No, like. I don't want DePaul. I don't like the Dannys. I want Wabash. You just said that. No, but I want Wabash. I want Wabash no, to win. No, no, no. WAF, baby. Always fights. Little Giants for me. <laughs> no, That's I'm the telling fastest, you. like, 180. I'll take that. Why? I don't want to do that one. <laughs> well, you just I don't it. want the Dannys. you kidding me? I'm all Wabash, man. Anybody that sees me, like, I'll be out and about. People come up to me like, you know, you look like a Wabash guy. Oh, yeah, that's what I am. You know, I mean, I'm not a... What does I'm that a, mean? I'm a bigger guy, but I'm not a little giant. But I'm, but still, I just, you know, I'm... DePaul too uppity, right? Wabash's quarterback's a North Central guy, right? That's all the more reason, right? I mean, what's Wabash have on the side of their helmet? The little guy. But no, what's the, what's the side of their helmet? Isn't it the big W? Isn't it the big W? Yeah, which is exactly what they're going to get, right? Purdue Austin P tonight from Mackey as they play their second game of the season. Uh, Parks Frazier met the media yesterday, the new play caller for the Colts, 30 years old. Um, again, I've heard that 
some of the offensive staff members that maybe have a little bit more of a resume uh, declined Jeff Saturday's plea to call plays. Uh, maybe some stipulations involved on those veteran coaches wanting to make a change at quarterback. Uh, so <laughs> it's still kind of an awkward situation. So are you there. telling me that it might be by default? Um, maybe not the first option. How about that? Okay. Default sounds harsh, doesn't it? A little bit. Default sounds like they drew out of a hat. I don't know if they did that. Listen, if you're Parks Frazier, you got to go with that, oh right? Oh, gosh. What an opportunity. Opportunity Dream. of a lifetime. Dream opportunity for him. He will be in the booth. I don't know if anyone cares about that. Frank Wright called the plays from the sideline. Parks Frazier is going to go up top to call the plays for Sam Ellinger. Nothing like Sam Ellinger making his third NFL start, and it's his third different offensive coordinator. That is, that. Yesterday, when you guys pointed that out, that is unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Really supporting him, right? I mean, that reminds me of, and and listen, I am admittedly an apologist for Jeff George. Because I've gotten to know Jeff, and I like him a great deal. Well, well, Wabash is simply going to win. I mean, I, I think we know that, but... The winner goes to playoffs, by the way. Well, I know. I mean, little giants march on, right? <laughs> but Jeff George, when he was when he was the quarterback here, if you really go back and look at it, I mean, he had a different offensive coordinator and a different like quarterbacks coach literally every single year. And if you talk to him, he's like, "Yeah, man, I you know, I'm not saying that there weren't things that I couldn't have done differently, but good lord, like, you know, my my favorite story that that I was told about when Jeff George was here, by the way, was his first start. He's in the huddle. I'm not going to say any names. One of the offensive linemen, as they're in the huddle, I think it was in Buffalo, and he looks, and the lineman throws up on himself. <laughs> and God. they go three and out, and they like come to the Max sidelines. pooping in the bathtub the and, night. And Jeff says, man, I am, like, I got to be honest with you. I, I didn't realize that you guys get nervous, too, but, like, I'm a nervous wreck. I'm a rookie, da-da-da, so it's good to know that, like, you had some nerves, too. And the lineman said, nah, dude, I'm still drunk. <laughs> it's like what are we doing here but listen you want consistency for a young quarterback no matter what it is no matter how many expectations you have no matter what the investment is in them a young quarterback needs stability around him stability with the players that he's playing with stability with the scheme but stability in the voices in his head right well i mean mark is feeling this right now with justin fields you know you're on your second coaching staff with him you're on a different play caller you have got. I think so many times teams draft the young QB and then they don't support him. I know it's out of New England's control, but now Mac Jones is in a second season with a different offensive coordinator. You know, Jacksonville has already moved on um, from their situation with with Trevor Lawrence from an offensive staff standpoint. And I think that's something really important. Obviously, the Colts are going to have to make a permanent decision at head coach, but that inevitable quarterback move that happens. You need to make sure that you stabilize the environment around him. And the Sam Ellinger environment has been anything but stable around him in these three starts. Uh, Jake, yesterday were you supposed to meet Mitch Daniels on the Wabash to talk about being his VP candidate? Yeah, that might have been it, man. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if Mitch is going to run, but he missed his appointment yesterday at 10 a.m. apparently. Right? Now, when's he done at Purdue? Is it the end of the semester or is he already done? I think it's the end of the semester, right? Well, I don't know. 
Mark, we're looking at you like you're. I know. I, know, I yeah. don't know why you look this way. I know you stared at Mark and. One o'clock kick tomorrow from Greencastle. So again, your viewing locally for college football tomorrow is heavy in that early window. Notre Dame, Purdue, and IU all at noon, uh, and then I think it's a one o'clock kick from Greencastle. Money going to IU because the the line is now uh, minus thirty nine and a half. It's no longer in the forties for Ohio State. Mark, I mean, where have you been? We just discussed this. No. It was up to forty one. It went to thirty eight. Then Kevin mentioned it. In the power of this radio program bumped it back. Well, a I was bit. looking up Mitch Daniels' contract situation <laughs> as well. What's his buyout compared to Tom Allen? Oh, probably less. <laughs> Trust me, there are probably people in Bloomington that know every nuance of Tom Allen's buyout, right? Mark, what's that Colts line? Is it still right around six? Colts line. Let me I like how Mark's become the Jimmy the Greek of the I program. Know. The over-under I can't love be the very high either. Uh, Colts and Raiders. Colts are four and a half point underdogs. Ooh. Maybe that's... Uh, over-under 40 and a half. The Waller-Renfro. <laughs> Their leading tackler retired yesterday. Yeah. That is pretty wild. Like all the Colts news and then all this Raiders news is coming out too. Like Soap opera, man. Just as big of a mess. Days of our lives versus as the world turns. Does Josh McDaniels get canned if they lose to the Colts on Sunday? Boy. Are they just like, all right. Yeah, I know his boy's the GM out there, but still. Is, is this Josh McDaniels' last chance as a coach? Oh, yeah. Well, he's young, but yeah. Now again, the Raiders... Worst record in the Colts, but have definitely had stretches of better football than Indianapolis this season. Uh, but very, I think you know this game. Certainly, it's if you can get off to a good early start, which has been absolutely foreign to the Colts. The team that creates an early lead is probably going to put a seed of doubt add to the turmoil on whichever sideline that happens. Yeah, but if the Raiders give up another double-digit lead to this Colts team yeah. after the week they just had, I think McDaniel's is. In trouble. Three times a season, they've blown 17-point leads. Yep. Uh, big show lined up. Like we said, Rakestraw, just about 35 minutes from now. And then Michael Lewis, new head basketball coach at Ball State, just over an hour from now. Matt Taylor to kick us off for the 9 o'clock hour morning. Checkdown is next. And plenty of talk about that Colts-Raiders matchup on a Friday, Veterans Day. Salute to the veterans. Kevin and Corey, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, let's begin last night in Bloomington, Indiana, 101, Bethune-Cookman, 49. Trace Jackson Davis, 21 points on 9 of 10 shooting. Uh, Again, the depth, very strong for the Hoosiers. They shot it well from behind the arc and the foul line. And I think I speak for everyone in saying, uh, looking forward to next Friday night with Xavier at Xavier after Bethune Cookman and uh, who was at Moorhead State earlier in the week. Uh, Indiana used really good. I mean, they have a lot of depth as we talked about. They also used very good ball movement, in particular, like kind of penetration to then kick out to the wings because people kind of have to collapse now when they get into the lane and. The ability to shoot from the outside is going to be the key for Indiana on the year. They had how many threes last night? 10 of 24 from behind the arc. And they will need um, to shoot the ball well. I think that's what puts them over the hump if they want to get to where people expect them to be over the course of the year. Uh, Thursday night football last night, Jake. Panthers 25, Falcons 15. Deontay Foreman uh, ran 31 times for 130 yards. Um, They have actually ran the ball a lot better without Christian McCaffrey since that trade. Um, 
And I'm just imagining people in the NFL headquarters thinking, oh my God, can you believe if the Panthers win the NFC South and host a playoff game? Can you imagine Panthers hosting Cowboys playoff weekend? Yeah, they would beat the Cowboys because it's the playoffs, right? <laughs> Settle down just a little bit. That's right. That's exactly how that works. Uh, in the association last night, it was Washington over the Mavericks, 113-105. Atlanta besting Philadelphia, 104-95. Joel Embiid did play, had 26-13 and in the loss. Miami over the Hornets, 117-112. And the Blazers beating the New Orleans Pelicans, 106-95. And nothing for the Pacers till tomorrow night. They host the Raptors over there at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. As far as the Colts are concerned, second practice of the week. Jonathan Taylor up to a full participant. So good news on him uh, returning for Sunday. Again, still probably need confirmation on that considering he's already tweaked that ankle injury once. But um, a good first two days of work for him. No Deion Jackson, uh, the tight end position. No Jelani Woods, no Mo Cox. Shaquille Leonard, a new addition to the injury report. So that'll be something to ask Jeff Saturday about today. And Matt Ryan, his first practice in three weeks. Back up on Sunday, Nick Foles or Matt Ryan? Matt, he doesn't Matt Ryan. It feels like if, if Matt Ryan's available to play, wouldn't Matt Ryan be the guy that's starting for you? And wasn't Ursay fired up about that earlier this week? That was one of the things he didn't like about Dungy's comments on Correct. the Patrick show. Correct. Basically saying the Colts were sitting Matt Ryan due to financial reasons, which there are some reasons to do that. Um, and also said that all three quarterbacks are on the table the rest of the season, which would go against uh, committing to Sam Ellinger for the rest of the year comments from a few weeks back. The guy's a winner. <laughs> Do we have the sausage? Now, was that Ballard Just, he was referencing? Yeah, it was Ballard. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? I will say that I have said over one of the lines that I tell like young people when I go speak to them, and that last game that Michael Jordan played is the Chicago Bowl. You have to clarify now because he came back for the Wizards. No one remembers. The last game that he played for the Chicago Bulls, uh, Jordan was 17 of 37 from the floor, and nobody talks about the 20 he missed. So Ursay kind of stole my thunder there. Would that have been you know, an issue for someone to raise their hand and say, well, Michael Jordan also won six rings, and what has Chris Boward won? Yeah, it, it would be fair to say... Jordan has as many rings as it took years for Chris Ballard to get, or in, you know, one playoff win, right, or whatever it is. In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. You know, Jim Mercer's probably having breakfast right now, Mark, and you know what that means. What he's probably eating for breakfast to go along with his eggs and his toast. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. Well, sir, we'll bring it out for you. Just give us about five minutes, <laughs> and we'll bring out the recipe. Yeah. And you can take that home, and you and Drake can make some sausage. I mean, I know what goes into sausage, right? Isn't it kind of... They always say if you like sausage, don't look how I was going to say, it's it's best we don't know, right? Yeah. Isn't that what they say? He's going to give a couple to Drake. He's going to say, you know what? I've got some extra sausage here. I've got some extra bacon. This one for Mr. Gilmore. (laughs) Funny. Come on over, Alex Pierce. That's right. Poor, Mark's, poor Alex Pierce. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good, Mark. One more time on that. <laughs> poor, poor Alex Pierce. <laughs> that's not bad. Thank you. 
Yeah, Colts you... and Raiders Sunday at four o'clock. Got a lot of time on my hands. Voice of the Colts, Apparently. Matt Taylor at nine. Greg Rakestraw at eight o'clock. Again, high school football regionals. The uh, crisp fall air is here after seventy degree temps Monday through Thursday. So you'll feel that tonight as we get closer and closer to Lucas Oil Stadium for the state finals. We'll talk some Colts coming up next. Kevin Aquary, 93.5, The fan. This from Ivan. Parks Frazier sounds like the fake name you give a cop when you're underage drinking at a high school party that gets busted. <laughs> now, that happened to you, right? Well, yeah, but Parks Frazier didn't really pop into my head right away. That was the problem, right? Yeah. I don't know how effective. I think that would have got me in worse trouble. <laughs> I Parks told you- Frazier's the name of like a son of a character at like Bushwood Country Club or something. Oh, it's Parks <laughs> Frazier here. And play nice 18. I'm just picturing McLovin hanging out with Parks Frazier now that Ivan has said that. I, I just always felt like Parks Frazier. Like, to me, Parks Frazier is, you know, the new hilarious sitcom on Paramount. Parks Frazier starts yeah, Wednesday. Combine it all, right? Right. But nonetheless, he's the guy that will be calling the plays. I, I guess a better question would be this. From what you've been able to gather, Kevin... Is Parks Fraser simply being asked to pick plays from the Colts repertoire that everybody already knows, or has he actually been given any sort of creative licensing on the way that they're going to do things and maybe incorporating different areas or different wrinkles? No, I mean, I think they're still running Frank Reich's offense. Right. I think it's just, yeah, I guess, trying to, I don't know, cater more to Sam Ellinger's strength. Like, I thought a big issue from Sunday, and of course we didn't talk about it very long because the news cycle quickly changed. I mean, Sam Ellinger got sacked nine times last week, and I can't recall many, if any, times the Colts tried to get him out of the pocket or move the pocket. Like when you lined up against New England and tried to go mano a mano, Euro line versus their D line, you just got whipped. And I felt like that was an issue from Frank Reich on Sunday, in that he didn't acknowledge or realize there was a disadvantage up front. Again, Ellinger is not a guy that you want dropping back in the pocket and acting like he's Tom Brady back there. You want to get him out of the pocket. You want to get him on the move. So I think that will be something that I'm watching for on Sunday. Um, Because Max Crosby and Chandler Jones is a pass rush duo on paper. Really, really impressive. Um, Now they haven't, I should say their name recognition is very, very impressive. They have not been a great sack team at all. I think they're dead last in the NFL in sacks, which is probably music to the ears of Chris Drosser. About time, right? Granted, maybe they won't be last after facing the Colts. What's the best way for your offensive line to find improvement? Go against the defensive line that sucks just as bad. This Sunday, the Colts, the Raiders. Yeah, you do sound like Kevin Harlan. You like that? Yeah, I'm Kevin Harlow, that surprises me, though. That's like the marquee broadcast group, right? Or, well, or close to? It's a to? four o'clock kick, so I don't know if that plays into it. But, yeah. It They're is. the B crew, I'd say. If I would say Kevin Harlan and Trent Green are right up there. Yeah. Would Ian Eagle be above them or no? For Nance Romo, obviously, are the A. The B, I think, I, I like Kevin Harlan a lot. I would say he's the B crew. He's certainly in the upper quartile. Yeah. Plus, it's Colts Raiders. The rivalry is back on. Clearly. <laughs> Chris Bauer and Josh McDaniels handshake on the field before the game. Oh, boy. 
Someone's going to get pistol whipped, I think. It's not the first time they've seen each other, though, right? Obviously. Yeah, New England here last year. Yeah. So um, they would have potentially crossed past then. Who has better chance Josh McDaniels has his current job in 2023 or Chris Ballard? Oh, Josh McDaniels. Yeah, have they hired? Have the Raiders hired a definitive replacement yet? I think you've said a very good point, Kevin. There were a couple of questions I had for you about the Colts. The first one is a point that you made. You've made a couple of times this week, and truth be told, I can't recall if you've said them on the air, and people have heard you say it, or if it's when we've been sitting around talking about things off the air, but. If you're Chris Ballard, if Chris Ballard and Jeff Saturday are both working for the Colts in, let's say, late February, Jim Mersey is listening to Jeff Saturday before he's listening to Chris Ballard. Do you believe that to be true? Without a doubt. So if you're Chris Ballard, that's uncomfortable, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be, uh, I'd be reading the room. <laughs> this is a little... Well, I don't know, Jake. Maybe it's not a little thing. You were observing Chris Ballard's body language on Monday during that press conference, correct? Yeah. A reason why the Colts did not post a photo gallery from Monday's press conference up on their website? Those in the organization were viewing Chris Ballard's body language and realized how bad it looked. And they're like, yeah, let's let's not try and get too many images out there in the public eye from how our GM was acting on Monday during the press conference. So I'm I'm not out of my mind. No, not at all. They, they literally did not post a photo gallery to their website because Chris Ballard looked like me watching Notre Dame and Radford last night in the final few minutes. Y'all have been kicking the out of me for years for not drafting wideouts, and all of a sudden I look up and, you know, we're underperforming on the offensive line right now. I still don't understand what that meant, yeah, to be I honest Yeah, I didn't follow with you. that either. But... So, Kevin, from your understanding, and I'm not trying to put you in a bad spot here, maybe I'm about to, though, but from your understanding, because Chris Ballard, as far as I've known, is a guy that inside the building was really well-liked and respected, and everybody thought he was like this fabulous guy. Mm-hmm. Has has that shine doled at all, or is that still the case? Um. Yeah, it's, to be totally fair, I, I don't know if I have a great grasp on that. Um, as a dulled bit, sure. I, I don't think it's the level to how people viewed his predecessor and Ryan Grigson in that role. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it's to that level. But again, I think we all can read the tea leaves. If Jim Mercer is picking up the phone and making one call about his organization right now or the first call he's going to make, um, and I think this will continue moving forward, I think it'll be to Jeff Saturday before it'll be to Chris Ballard. And, you know, how much does that kind of rub Ballard the wrong way? And does Ballard get to a point where it's like, man, I don't have the same voice that I thought I that I, that I once had? Uh, does that make me rethink my position within the organization, my desire to want to be here? Um, a lot of these are bigger picture questions, but these are all questions I've thought about since Monday. I'll go back to a point I made earlier in the show today, Jake. I'm very curious to see what they do at quarterback the rest of the year. Well, that was my second question for you is all of a sudden we go from Matt Ryan is probably not going to play the rest of the year to Matt Ryan's not on the injury list. Wait, what? Gotten some mixed signals on how they've handled quarterback reps, particularly yesterday with Matt Ryan back at practice. I just... Just play Sam Ellinger. 
that's my thought. But then, Jake, I also can acknowledge, like, Jeff Saturday's an interim, and Jim Irsay wants Jeff Saturday to do really, 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 really well. Does that mean Matt Ryan gives you the best chance in the short term to accomplish that? Like, Jeff Saturday wants to do well. Right. Does, again, Matt Ryan, and I guess throw Nick Foles in there, but in the short term, considering all the chaos, and now you're on your third offensive coordinator in three weeks for Sam Ellinger, one of those veterans, does that give you the better chance? And that's where it's such... You've said several times this week, Jake, you feel like there's so many inconsistencies with the message. Totally. And I think this is another one on that list. What they do at quarterback, it is no longer what Frank Reich said a few weeks ago in saying, Sam Ellinger is our guy for the rest of the season. That, to me, is not etched in stone. I think it should be, but in my mind, it's not. And I'm very interested to see how it plays out. Jim Mercer has seen what happens to a quarterback when you don't have consistency and stability around that quarterback. Jim Mercer has also seen what happens to a quarterback when he has the same coordinator, the same line, the same receivers, the same running back from one game to the next to the next to 10 years. So you would think that the first thing that if he wants to give the best opportunity to Sam Ellinger, that he would be adamant and defiant about the fact that there is consistency in all areas around him. But do you think Jeff Saturday all of a sudden, you know, gets into a team meeting room and is like, boy, Sam Ellinger's been doing this. He might raise his hand and. Utter a different phrase. We have Matt Ryan. <laughs> uh, hey, Jake, you guys are collectively using quartile entirely too much. How do you not? I mean, when you when you are introduced to, and it is a word, I mean, credit to Jim Mercer's vernacular there, but come on. Tremendous. When you That's have the greatest of that, you got to use it, right? That's that rare air. <laughs> We're using it too much, but it's rare air. We got to talk about it. Very good rare SAT air. word. By Jim Mercer. And I thought Jake did a beautiful job of uh, just putting it to a problem. A, a math problem. Yeah, well, that's what I do. I'm Jake Query, math algebra expert. Not really. The guy's a winner. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Greg Rakestraw, speaking of winners, joins us next here. Kevin and Corey. 8 o'clock on Veterans Day. Again, thank you to those of you who have served in the United States Armed Forces, in whatever capacity it might be, thank you for your service and certainly hope that you enjoy the day that, of course, year-round, I guess, those in the military are worthy of a thank you, but yes, thank hope you. you are enjoying it today. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Quarry on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan, getting set for the weekend. And Greg Rakestraw joins us now on the Payless Hookers Hotline to talk about a number of subjects Greg, we'll begin with the fact that I love, love, love this time of year because it inches closer to my favorite weekend, and I think there are a few things that are more electric, pardon the pun, than the lighting of the tree just outside of us here on Monument Circle and the buzz downtown, the Pacers playing, and the high school football state finals all centered around Thanksgiving. I absolutely love it. And we're getting close, right? Just a couple rounds left. Correct. So we are down to 24 games across the state. None of those are tonight. A couple of those are tomorrow because the distance that the teams from the southeast corner of the state have to go play the teams from the southwest corner of the state. So 48 teams are left playing. And yes, 
two weeks from tonight, I will be able to show a shot of the fireworks downtown while we are playing a state championship football game at Lucas Oil Stadium. Rick, I do want to get to your call tomorrow because I know that's a big one, but let's begin with tonight. And like you said, the regional round. Uh, I believe you were telling me earlier in the week, Center Grove and Warren on your slate for tonight. Uh, but when you look at the 6A class, you got a couple of different regional matchups locally that are pretty big. Correct. And, and this is kind of, I wouldn't say how we thought it would play out in terms of teams. Well, there's, no, there's no real stunners. I think of the teams that are left playing. But again, it shows you now the number of 6A teams in the Indianapolis area continues to grow. You know, you've got Lafayette, Jeff, and Carroll of Fort Wayne are the two non-Indy teams, and Jeff often plays Indianapolis teams as part of their schedule. So you've got HSC in Westfield, you've got Cathedral in Brownsburg, you've got Warren in Center Grove, and those latter three matchups are all rematches of regular season games. Center Grove in a low-scoring game beat Warren in week number one. Warren has changed their team over and has a new quarterback, a young man that was sitting out as a transfer. So I'm not sure how much weight you put into a week one matchup in week 13. I think that's double or triple the case for this one. Um, you know, Cathedral and Brownsburg was a week two game. Uh, and I know that, that Brown, again, of what I've seen this year, Brownsburg's best is better than anybody else that I have seen. But is Cathedral certainly capable of beating them? Yes. And Cathedral was complicit in their own demise in terms of some untimely turnovers led to easy points for Brownsburg when, when the Bird won that matchup in a high-scoring game back in week number two. And then HSC and Westfield, you know, HSC has run the table so far, which means they beat Westfield earlier this year. I think the big concern for Westfield going into the postseason was at the line of scrimmage. Could they hold up? Well, they've had no problem in getting past a couple of physical teams in Carmel and Noblesville. So I would imagine that game is going to be a close one tonight as well. So great games all across the state, but in 6A alone, the matchups locally are all really good. Is my uh, Bowen brother from up in the region, is he going to win Mr. Football? As in Drake? Yes. Uh, there is certainly a good shot at it. And again, on the on the 6A powerhouse teams locally, where often Mr. Football has come from, there is not that you know dominant star this year. There's really good players. There's guys that are Division One talent. But this is not Caden Curry from a year ago. This is, uh, you know, not Carson Steele from, from the year before that. This is, you know, a, a pretty obvious choice. You're going to the in-state school, uh, you know, that, that is the national power. You have already won multiple state championships in multiple sports. In other words, he's got the curating and the resume to back it up. So, good chance that it's going to stay in family this year for you, Kev. Thank you. Greg, I ask you this question a lot. Greg Rakestra is our guest um, to kind of put a bow tie on the high school coverage and then we'll get everybody as to where they can see and hear these games coming up here in just a second. But this is a question that I ask you a lot and I apologize for it. But when we're talking about high school athletes, I always like to give this tip of the cap. Give me the team or storyline at any level that is remaining here in the state football playoffs. You know, we know about Cathedral. We know about Brownsburg. Sure. We, the school that has been off the radar where their players are working just as hard and have been a really good story that maybe they haven't gotten their proper due. My favorite matchup in that ilk tonight would be Owen Valley and Monrovia. And these two are not that far apart from each other. Uh, for many years, they are members of the same conference, the Western Indiana Conference. Owen Valley is four years removed from being 0-10 
They have now won their sectional back-to-back years. They are 12-0. and Their big win during their tournament run was knocking off the defending 3A champs in Gibson Southern. And Gibson Southern, really good team, but but nowhere near what they were with, with Brady Allen, Rory Helsley, others from last year's 3A state championship team. They are taking on Monrovia, who was 2-7 and during the regular season. Their sectional 29 was upset after upset. Danville knocked off Tri-West and Western Boone, two teams that beat them in the regular season. Then Danville got beat at Monrovia last week. Monrovia, obviously a team that, that for a stretch of time, you know, they were making regular appearances at Lucas Oil Stadium. 2A champs in 2015, uh, semi-state in 2016 in 2A. Now enrollment-wise, as uh, all of the warehouses have continued to move in that direction uh, you know, from the airport, uh, all of a sudden, Monrovia is having an enrollment boom, and they are now in 3A. Um, one of those two teams, and I would th- say Owen Valley is the favorite, one of those two teams is going to be heading on to the semi-state and potentially to a state championship game. So the underdog story that, that I think, even with one team being 12-0, goes both ways is OV and Monrovia coming up later tonight. Again, from the IC Sports Network, he is Greg Rakestraw. He's got a little Monon Bell action tomorrow. I do want to shift gears to the Colts, Rake. Um, we've talked all week long about Jeff Saturday and Monday through Friday. I mean, you know, it's hard to argue against what Jeff Saturday has shown. I think Colts fans and, and you know, even talking to guys in that locker room, he is a much different leader, and I think you quickly feel his presence and considering the early game results that the Colts are having under Frank Reich um, I'm curious to see if you know a new leadership change will impact that as far as Sunday's concerned though for Saturday which I know sounds weird because his last name's a day of the week (laughs) Uh, Jeff Saturday as an in-game coach what are you most curious about coming up when that ball's kicked at 405 well, again, I, I think what we're clearly going to have for the first time in a while is a is a CEO coach. And, and I'm not saying that Frank Reich ever met on the defense, but yes, he had overall concerns, but he was thinking about calling plays. And uh, that's what you wanted him to be doing, at least most wanted him to be doing uh, during the four and a half years of, of his tenure with the Colts. Well, now you've got a guy that's going to have oversight really on, on all three phases. And so... I'm really curious to see what his sideline, I wouldn't even say demeanor is going to be, although that's going to be a new experience for him too, but just how involved, and we won't know how involved he's going to be on the headsets, but, you know, is is he bopping back and forth between kind of, you know, positional meetings uh, at at times? Uh, You know, is is, is he going to, we we think it'd be kind of more rah-rah in terms of, you know, getting in somebody's grill, potentially, you know, slapping somebody on the backside, whatever the case may be. But I, I think I'll be, I wouldn't say I'll be watching the game as much for Jeff Saturday because it's not the way it works in the National Football League. But I will be curious when we see those cutaway shots in Vegas, exactly how Jeff carries himself on the sideline. I'm sure it will be different than Frank but because his responsibilities are going to be different. I'm, I'm, I'm quite curious to watch it play out for the first time. So, Kevin, just to be clear, since we no longer can do it on Mondays from him directly, we talked about on Thursday the fact that on Fridays we're going to get Saturday's thoughts on what could, could happen on Sunday, right? Oh, Who's on first? That's, that's right. Greg, by the way, you're a, you've spent some time in the Cincinnati area, right, Greg? I, I don't know why I'm thinking that, but didn't you work in Ohio for a while? I did not work in Ohio. My wife was from Cincinnati for okay. about 15 months. I lived in Harrison and commuted to Indianapolis. So, so they're I apparently in, in the greater Cincinnati area, there's a Parks-Fraser Township. 
Is there really? That's what I'm told. See, I learn something new every time I talk to you, Jake. That's right. Well, I mean, I, hey, I learned that today as well. You know, who knows? Parks right? Frazier Little League. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Greg, did you... We haven't really had a chance to talk to you about this. You know, when when you were doing the post-game show after the Colts' last outing, which was not a good one. No. I think we anticipated that there was the possibility of change. Did you think it would be this seismic? No, no. I mean, did I, was I stunned when Frank was let go? No. And I got to the point where I thought maybe it carries out the season or maybe it was going to be as soon as the Colts were officially eliminated from the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe it'd be a, a few weeks later than it was. Um, but <laughs> obviously the Jeff Saturday news um, allow me to relate where exactly you were when it came down. So after Jake does three spectacular hours of radio with Kevin Bowen on Monday mornings, he'll have a, a, a quick kind of team meeting, uh, and then he will head to the ISC Sports Network studios to film his television show, Green Schultz, here around the state on Comcast 81, ISC Sports Network, and a variety of ISC social media channels. When Jake and Derek are in studio, uh, I am behind the scenes on the other side of the glass, uh, serving as some sort of flunky role uh, in the uh, in the production, <laughs> which is so normally reserved for me in all areas. Yes, right. Uh, so we, we, we you know change things up for television. So anyway, um, it's a five segment show. Normally it goes about an hour fifteen, an hour thirty, somewhere in between. In the middle of segment three of that program comes the Jeff Saturday news, the Frank news that happened before the show. So we had that right off the top, but we do this live to tape, and then it debuts usually on Monday nights. And there are some stories that we miss, like Sam Ellinger becoming the starting quarterback. That happened literally just after we finished filming a couple of weeks ago. But in this case, uh, Jake and Derek are having a riveting discussion on the Big Ten West, and does the Big Ten West actually have to have a team playing at Lucas Oil Stadium? Is it going to be a Michigan or Ohio State squad scrimmage instead? Well, anyway, I see this news. And let's face it, these days, the authenticity of a blue check mark seems to mean less than it did about four or five days ago. Um, but I see the Adam Schefter story, and from my Andrew Luck experience, I go, verify this, look at it, okay, make sure it's the right account. Yeah, that's the right account. And so I text, I text Derek. And that is because I don't trust Jake, uh, not because I don't trust, trust Jake to, to break said news. Jake's back is to me as we're filming the show. In other words, I think I have a, a line of sight to Derek where I can basically point to my phone and say, read your phone, um, you know, and, and that way we try to have some sense of continuity on the program. Well, of course, Derek doesn't get that message, and Jake hears my voice that cuts through walls and basically looks at Derek and says, read your phone. And when Derek reads his phone, I thought that, that both guys were pretty good at processing that in real time. But, Kevin, I've literally known Jake for over 20 years, I literally know him well enough where I can see like like the mental wheels turning as to <laughs> I have to speak about this professionally. There was like a five second almost like coming to terms with this in his own mind before Well, I think the coming to terms Jake with Greg was the fact that I was sitting there thinking to myself, we just had him on the radio two hours ago. Right. And I'm thinking, so, you know, you wonder then how much did he know? How much was this in process? Sure. How spontaneous was this? I mean, one of my we, first thoughts was to go back and listen to the segment. Yeah. Because sure. then you wonder if there were clues, right? There right. was a tip of the hand. And I, and again, he knew. He knew full well. I'm just like picturing, 
you know, him telling Jim Mercer, hey, Jim, I got this radio interview I got to do. Can I sign that after I get, you know, get off the air? I got so a me, guy about some white walls. Um, I, I, I assume no, no, no Saturdays on Monday anymore. Is that, is that a done deal now at this point? Unfortunately. Uh, yep. yep. Hey, listen. Okay, so, Greg, that leads to the other question. And that is with what we call advancing the story. When you look forward now on this situation with Jeff Saturday, my personal belief, we've talked about this a lot, but I want yours, and I don't want to put you in a bad spot because I know you do the post game for them and et cetera, but is Jeff Saturday, has he been brought in on West 56th Street because of a more elevated designed role for him within the organization? It certainly could be. And again, I, I here's how I phrase this on the post game show last week when I basically said, listen, everyone is auditioning for their job at this point. Head coach, and clearly, I seem to have a good radar for that. Um, general manager, players, everyone. Uh, again, did I think that the change would be this cataclysmic? No. Um, but, but everybody has an eight-week audition as to what their role is going to be going forward. So hence the inference as to, is Jeff Saturday not coaching? Does Jeff Saturday have some sort of front office role next year, whether that's general manager, something else, working with Chris Bauer, whatever the case may be? Anything is possible. Not to channel Kevin Garnett at 8.16 in the morning, but who knows what the coaching staff or front office could look like 10 to 12 weeks from now with eight football games left to play. Rick, put injury, and again, Greg Rakestraw is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Put injury to the side, if you don't mind answering this question. Over under two and a half starts for Nick Foles and Matt Ryan at quarterback the rest of the season. I would say I would say under, just because, again, if I don't think there is going to be a concerted effort to tank. But at the same time, if you pick up more losses and if you get to a point where you're not going to be a playoff team, why in the world would you play Matt Ryan or Nick Foles at this point? You need to see exactly what you have in Sam Ellinger. And again, after week number one, uh, Sam played well, but I think he's the future quarterback in the football team. I thought it's way too little of a sample size. After week two... I'm also not going to write Sam Ellinger off for how bad that was on Sunday because of the sample size and, and, and because of the situation and because of the beating that he took back there. Um, Devil's wanna, advocate, wanna, Rake, it, 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 and sorry to interrupt, does Jim Mersey need to evaluate Jeff Saturday with a more of a veteran QB and not a guy in Ellinger who has been thrown into a pretty awful situation with three OCs in three weeks? Oh, well, I would say Jeff's been thrown in a pretty awful situation, too. And so I'm not sure if Jeff is going to be judged completely or solely or even primarily on wins and losses. How he evaluates in-game decisions, what, what does he get the most of out of the personnel? How does the, you know, the locker rooms react to him great today? How are they going to feel about him on December 10th? Well, they won't care. They'll be on a buy. How are they going to feel about him on November the 29th? Um, I, I think those are the things that we're evaluating Jeff on, for whatever his role is going to be with his organization going forward. So, 
yeah, there's some truth to that. But again, I, I, I don't think the record will be the primary factor as to what Jeff Saturday's role with this organization is going forward, say, after January 9th. I mean, Greg, to me, it's it's like a, a, a double-edged sword here. How do you evaluate Sam Ellinger when you don't really know the the blueprint in front of him in terms of what team is around him now versus what team would be around him in two years in terms of the way they look, the way they, they're built, who's, who's going to be around. And then at the other point, how do you know the blueprint of what you've built, whether or not that's going to work if you don't know who's going to be their quarterback? You know what I mean? It's like a double-edged sword. Absolutely. So you all you can do is get the most amount of game tape on him as possible. At least, you know, 10 games of tape is going to be better than three games of tape. Let's put it that way. And trying to give him some sort of consistent, as consistent as whatever this is going to be the rest of the year can be, give him you know that level of consistency going forward. Um, you're trying to get the most amount of tape as possible. And frankly, I don't think this is going to be completely on Sam. A lot of it is going to be, too, kind of making a best guess as to where you are going to be from a draft standpoint and what you think of the quarterbacks that will be available when you're drafting at that position. That you'll get a clearer picture of uh, as the season goes along. Rick, we'll close with this. Um, Tomorrow you're on the call, correct, from Greencastle? That is correct, sir. Uh, We're playing for more than just a bell, if I'm not mistaken, given these two teams and their standing this season within their conference, right? What what is amazing to me is that this is the first winner-take-all in terms of the postseason that these teams have ever played in. Hmm. And part of that is the concept that, you know, postseason football and small college football is a relatively new concept. Like, for example, this is the 50th IHSAA football state tournament. Not a similar level of time in terms of the smaller colleges having a chance to play for something beyond their conference championship or, or something like a bowl game. Like, there have been teams in the past that have played in this area. It's been called the, the, the Mineral Water Bowl, uh, you, know, you know, four or five decades ago. You know, Wabash played in the Division Three championship game in 1977. But this is the first time in three different leagues that these two teams have met each other where they know the winner is the outright conference champ and is going on to a postseason game. Wabash is seven and two. DePaul is eight and one. Both teams are uh, are six and one in uh, North Coast Athletic Conference play, and it should be a heck of a football game tomorrow afternoon at Nick Morose's Field at Blackstock Stadium. All Wabash, buddy, and high scoring, correct? Well, DePaul has the best defense in the league, but Wabash has the best offense potentially in Division Three football. So, Liam Thompson, where is he from, Jake? Uh, that'd be North Central, correct? Yes, Liam Thompson um, will likely be the leading passer in the history of the North Coast Athletic Conference and Wabash College at the end of next year. With about 170 yards tomorrow, he'll have the single season passing record at Wabash College. 32 touchdowns, five interceptions, and they've been putting points on everybody. Leading passing offense in D3, second overall offense in Division Three. And so if, if if this is Wabash's type of game, it's likely going to be a high-scoring game, too. 
Rick, enjoy that. I know that's a special one each year, and um, hopefully it looks like I mean, cooler temps, but it looks like it'll be a nice day from Greencastle on that one. And then we'll listen to you coming up on the postgame show, uh, kind of a late one with a 405 kick from Vegas. Rick, thank you. You got it, fellas. It's a great Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Wabash all day, buddy. Now, I have Wabash, right, in our bet? No, we no, no. There, there was a clerical error. We we reviewed it during the break. Uh, I have Wabash. Who was we? Mark and I. What? Mm-hmm. Don't drag me into this. I was going to say, Mark Dighton, <laughs> are you going behind my back? No, with this? I, I had Wabash in the seven o'clock segment. No, I'm not taking the Dannys. We have the audio. No. You he literally me. said, I'll take them. Do you want to make a bet? You yes. said yes. And he's like, well, I'm, wait a minute. You Hold can call on. me a lot of things, but don't call me a Danny. I mean, we might need to re-rack that audio I think from I'm the a, 7 o'clock segment. I was going to say, I'm not a private school guy, but I guess Wabash is private too. <laughs> right? You're off to a roaring start this morning. Echo. Wabash, is, or, or De, DePaul, I should say, DePaul is the Tigers, right? So we could play the Clemson fight song for them, I guess, because that's called Tiger Rag, and I'm going to be in Clemson this weekend. But I still, I'm, I'm all about the little Giants. Who's Clemson got? Uh, Louisville. 3.30 kick tomorrow. Tickets a little easier to come by, probably, than they would have been if they were 9-0. and Oh, wow, I didn't realize this, John. Well, maybe this is, maybe Jake should be right about his waffling on this bet that he's going about. This from uh, John. How Wabash am I waffling? Quarterbacks from North Central, DePaul's QBs from Cathedral. See, there you go. That makes it easy, right? I stand by what happened in the 7 o'clock segment of you first siding with Greencastle, now going with Crawfordsville. Well, I just, again... I do like Marvin's. Marvin's is pretty good. Yes, I've been to Marvin's. Yeah, Marvin's is cool. And I, I've got family in Cloverdale, but still. I do want to get to that question through to Rake of, you know, we haven't talked much, Jake, about like, what are you looking for from Jeff Saturday on Sunday at 4.05? The honeymoon period's gone great. I mean, he is, you can feel the leadership, all of that. You know, what What should we expect? How can you evaluate him during those three hours as more of a CEO type, which I think you guys have heard me say before, I like that as an NFL head coach. I think that is the way to go. I think it helps you kind of manage the operation a little bit better. You let your coordinators lead those respective units. That is what Greg Rakestraw, or <laughs> Greg Rakestraw, that's what uh, Jeff Saturday. It is doing. interesting to think about and to remind yourself that Jeff Saturday is going to be like walking up and down the sidelines with a headset on, and the coach's challenge is going to come from Jeff Saturday. So, okay. Jake, there's been multiple times at practice this week where I've looked out there and seen him and been like, oh, wow, it's alumni day here at Colts practice. Yeah. No, he's the head coach. The season is wild. we get more 63 jerseys in the building next week? They really should have had hard knocks be this year. I know. Who was our guy, Mark, we always had on? Steve Trout. Steve Trout. When we talked about Hard Knocks last year and it was like, man, the whole country's watching the Colts. This is awesome. And like, we're getting national television time. And then I, I, I have to remind myself, I, do people all across the country watch Hard Knocks or do they just watch if it's their team? Oh, I, I think it's got a good national. I mean, are you watching brand. it right now? No, but I, I, I haven't gone out of my way to watch Hard Knocks before. But I think NFL fans enjoy watching it. Who is it this week? The Cardinals. Or the Cardinals, that's right. Yeah, Kyler's video games. Yeah. I'll be watching. I haven't watched it yet, but we were finishing Dahmer the other night. Uh, Michael Lewis next, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, morning check down time here on the fan. 
The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Okay, for the morning check down, since it's brought to you by Ball State Sports, we'll make it brief because their basketball coach is going to join us next and we don't want to hold him long. Bottom line is this, Pacers did not play last night, but Indiana did. They shot well. Indiana got a win. And college football tomorrow, everybody plays at noon, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, there we go. There's a morning check down. Michael Lewis next. College basketball underway in the state of Indiana. Seen a lot of teams already in action. Ball State, a big win in their opener over Earlham. They've got Indiana State coming up. Uh, we chatted with this man when he was hired back in the spring, and he's with us again. He is Michael Lewis, the head first-year head coach for the Ball State Cardinals. Coach, good morning. Thank you for being extremely prompt with us on this Friday morning. Uh, good morning to you guys. It's, uh, excited to be here. What did you like about the other night? Obviously, the score speaks for itself. Um, what did you like that uh, stood out the most about your bunch? Well, I, I was uh, going back to our scrimmage versus Wright State. I was I was pleased with how we competed that day, um, and then we got into our exhibition game with DePaul and <clears throat> really struggled uh, the first half. And I just I, I didn't feel like we had um, you know respect for the game, a sense of urgency, um, attention to detail, and a and a scout, and you know any of those things that go into to winning. And um, so I was very very happy coming out against Earlham. Um, just our maturity as a team and our approach to that game and and um you know just how we we har- how we handled our business um you know that game you know got got away and in the second half we could have done some things that were out of character um and and some things that you know if you let them linger lead to losing uh, maybe not in that game but in the in the future and our guys had a real mature approach about how we wanted to play on both ends of the floor and and executed so um i saw some growth um, in our in our Earlham game uh, from our DePaul game, which was good, um, but now we're we're stepping up a weight class and and uh, get an opportunity to get on the road and go compete. As a first year head coach who is working obviously with an inherited roster, I mean it goes without saying. How big a challenge is that from a coach's standpoint? Like, which is more difficult, having the wherewithal as a coach to make wrinkles about your schematics because of the players you have, or getting those players to conform to what you want them to do, even though it's a new system for them? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, first of all, I got, you know, these are, these are my guys now. You know, I don't, uh, I don't get into all that who recruited who or what I inherited or not. They're my guys now. And, um, you know, I, I got to give credit to Coach Whitford. There's some, there's some talented young men on our, on our roster. You know, we, we have enough to be able to compete. Now, I think we have to tighten up a few screws and be, be better in a lot of different areas. Um, but <clears throat> I, I got to be able to establish um, kind of how I want to play. When I say how I want to play, I'm talking about, um, you know, good shots, ball movement, um, you know, tough defensively, you know, you know, dominating the glass, those things. Now, schematically, where I put people, like, I've got, I've got to put guys in positions where they can be successful. You know, I can't come in here and, well, this is how I'm going to do this because it's how I've always done. Like, it, that may not lead to winning. So I've got to figure out different ways of putting these guys in, in positions to win and, and how to best uh, utilize what we have on this roster as we build this program. Kenny's Michael Lewis, first-year head coach at Ball State with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Curious how the season is here, Coach, and you being, you know, your first year from, a, like, a recruiting footprint. Um, 
What does that look like in season for you? I mean, how many hours a week would you say once you have started, you know, your actual basketball season, are you spending on recruiting, whether it be attending games, practices, or just as a staff kind of evaluating guys? Uh, Because I I don't know, maybe it would be different if this was your fifth or sixth year and you had more of a kind of an established Report. Obviously, you're a name that people know around the state, but I'm curious how many hours that you spend on yeah, that. Yeah, you know, we. I, I don't know if I can put a number on the hours. I, I do know we've got a staff that's all connected to the state and connected, you know, to different parts of the, the country as well. Um, we've all recruited, you know, quality players at every every different stop. Um, you know, we just signed a, um, a really good young man out of Valparaiso, Mason Jones, yesterday that we're super excited about. He's going to continue to to add the length and versatility and skill and toughness, um, you know, that we're, we're looking for. And so, you know, that, like it's recruiting is the, the heartbeat of any program. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously you've got to have a real pulse on that and, and, um, you know, who's in your area and who's available and what's going on with them um, and, and establishing those relationships. Um, but it, it probably does take a little bit smaller backseat, um, at least from my standpoint, as I'm trying to prepare our team for, for games. But uh, that's why you have an outstanding staff. Do you have a balance in relying on the transfer portal versus the high school? Yeah, I think we're still figuring that out. You know, I, I think that the, the you know everybody talks about the portal and and hurting high school recruiting, and you know I I don't know if I I think there's there's some truth to that. I think the bigger thing that has hurt high school recruiting um, is the COVID and the extra year that all these guys have have gotten in college. Like you 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 know you're, you're not. You know, you're not emptying out a whole class every year, and and then you have the portal and the guys like you. You've got guys that are in college that are going to be here five and sometimes six years. You know, and it's it's difficult to recruit a high school kid at 18 um, that's going to come in and make a big impact when you can go get a 22 year old that's played three or four years of college basketball. I think that has been a bigger detriment to high school recruiting than the transfer portal. But um, I think for us, um, it's something that you got to utilize. Uh, you, you've got to be in front of it. Like it doesn't matter if I like it or don't like it or think it's right or wrong. I've got to figure out what's best for Ball State and, and how we can put our our team together to compete for championships. Now I'm looking at the team photo here. Can you guys just move full time to these all black uniforms with red trim? Oh, they're sweet, right? Yeah, those, oh, those are pretty are sweet. No, those are good. That's a good look for sure. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, like that's kind of. I mean, I went to North Central, so maybe I'm biased by the color scheme, but that looks sweet, man. No, it's really good. Um, you know, our, our guys like them, and and uh, there's some about road black uniforms that just that just stand out. But uh, if if they don't win some games, I'm throwing them away. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny though? I think I might have mentioned this to you the last time we had you on, Coach Michael Lewis is our guest from Ball State. Uh, I love, to me personally, and I'm not just saying this to like blow smoke, but Worthen Arena to me that opened. I think either when I was late high school or, or, or early in my college years, which was a long time ago, and yet it, it looks the exact same. I mean, I would think that that's got to be a huge recru- like recruiting tool towards getting people to come to play at Ball State. And when you walk in, you got to think to yourself, like, it's pretty cool to have the keys to that place. I just think it's a great venue. But what can you guys do to get it packed and get it back to where it needs to be? Well, we got to win games, and and um, you know it is it's a great venue. Our practice facility is is beautiful. It's only three or four years old. Um, exactly what you need um, for our guys to get in the gym and get better. But I, I really like Worthen. I think it it can be um, you know a really good place to play. We're doing some things for the students. Our students, um, you know, we had seven hundred students to to the Earlham game, and and I don't, I don't like I told I told some reporters when they asked about it. I was like I don't know what's normal here. 
Like I don't, and they were like, oh, that's not normal. And I said, well, you know, we're doing some promotions for the students. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get out and about and involved and um, getting those guys here. And like, <clears throat> you know, like my, my biggest thing about, you know, student, students are, are the, they're the heartbeat of a university. You know, they, they, can, they can do a lot of things, um, you know, positively for your university, for your athletics. And, and uh, you know, we've got an opportunity um, with our basketball program um, to, to take this thing to a different level, and the students can be a big part of that. Part of that. So we're doing some different things for them. Um, they've, they've jumped on board. I want, them, I want them to continue to grow it. Like, you know, we got, we got 14 home games, I think, left. Like, why can't we bring the party in Worthen Arena? You know, everybody in college is looking for a party. Let's bring the party in the Worthen Arena and, and um, you know, make this thing a, a really a fun, fun environment to, to play in and, and to watch a game. You know, and I talk. I was telling the students. You know, like our guys. I tell our guys all the time. You get you get one opportunity to be a college basketball player. Well, you get one opportunity basically to be a college student, and you can do some crazy, stupid things in college. And when you walk out of there, you just kind of check it up to college, and it erases your record, man. So let's let's blow this thing out of the water and have a good time with it. You know, I think it's fascinating. We, we've talked this week coach about like Jeff Saturday making the move to head coach of the Colts and I was saying to Kevin when you see players that were naturally great players that were just naturally gifted players try to become a coach sometimes it's difficult because what was instinctive to them is not instinctive to a lot of players and and I think sometimes coaches forget that and sometimes you need a guy that, and I, I'm. I hope you don't take this as a diss on your playing style when you were a player. No, I wasn't but, a great player. <laughs> I, well, but me, you I got the it. most yeah. out of yourself, right? So, like, you were a scrap claw guy. In other words, I feel like you were a guy that probably can relate to your fifteenth man as well as you relate to your top guy, and that's what makes a great coach. Is that, and and I that's what I think of Jeff Saturday from a coach's perspective. Is that a safe assessment on relatability towards towards roster? You know, I I, I think you're on to something there. I don't know, um, you know, if I completely agree with it because I, I can also be um, harder on guys um, because of how I was able to compete at the level. Right, you knew how bad you wanted it, right? And and so I knew, I knew, like, I right, like. I think the, the the worst thing you could ever label uh, athlete is soft. I think that's the worst thing you can say. Like, if you want to say, like, hey, Mike, you couldn't have gone right, that's fine. That's your opinion. You know, like, or you weren't a great shooter, that's fine, your opinion. Like, what? If, but if you called me soft, like, I, that, I can control that by how I, how I operate, how I play, how I compete. And so, you know, I do think um, because I wasn't the most talented or, you know, the most athletic or most skilled this um, – you know, I, I can relate with our players a little bit, but the one thing I cannot tolerate and I cannot understand is a lack of toughness or a lack of want to compete. Like you, you got it. Like we have a game on Saturday. It's on the schedule. We have to go to Terre Haute. We have to play. We might as well compete our ass off and try to win the game. 
you mentioned Indiana State again. Michael Lewis with us here, the head coach of the Ball State Cardinals. They are at Indiana State coming up tomorrow afternoon. Um, how has scheduling worked for you in this first season? I know you guys are going to the Bahamas here coming up. Um, well, that sounds like it schedules pretty well. Yeah, right. pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so far, so good, right? staff there. Appreciate that one. <laughs> Speaks appreciate for itself. Um, but like from a MAC program standpoint, I would find it it's probably difficult. And I don't know, maybe you don't want to schedule these games. Maybe you do. I'm curious your thoughts. I would think you'd find it difficult for like a quality Power 5 team to say, oh yeah, let's invite Ball State to our home arena. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. I, I just can't see that being uh, no, something a Power 5 coach would want to do. No, you're, you're, I mean, scheduling is getting more and more difficult. And, and I think, um, you know, more of our schedules are getting scripted. You know, like the Power 5 are getting in these different challenges and marquee events. And they're starting to have some mid-major events like us going to the Bahamas uh, for the Bahamar tournament. Um, you know, our, our the MAC conference just did a, a home-and-home deal with uh, the Sun Belt. You know, which kind of takes up two games, which is why I, I really appreciate this series with with Indiana State. You know, I like I'm getting on an airplane, guys, on uh, on Tuesday to fly to Omaha to play a college basketball game. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I inherited. I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you have all these different um, similar type programs in our geographical area that we can we can get to quickly and more efficiently and more costly like like less costly um it'd be better on everybody's budget so i i think you know i'm excited about um i like the in-state rivalries i like the indiana state series that we we've signed up to continue um i like the series that we've started with evansville that we're going to continue i hopefully in the future uh, i'd like to get more um you know regional type games like 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 IUPUI USI is now a division 1 Valparaiso like what why are we not playing these schools that are you know that that drive interest um for our fans their their names that we know um in our state and you know like basketball is huge here so why 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 are we not playing each other um it can be it can be good for attendance um they're quality games and it can be good for for our budgets i just um, think it's fun too coach i mean you know, take USI. You know, I mean, you you probably got a lot of kids that go to Ball State who have high school buddies that go to USI, right? So, like, it's fun. I mean, it, it creates fun little rivalries. Guys want to pack in the car and take a road trip for three hours to go watch you on the road. I just think, I mean, it is fun. That's what college is all about, to your point, yeah. right? Yeah, I think things just resonate different. You know somebody from that place, whatever, you know, like, you know, us going down to play Coastal Carolina and, and whatever, the, the, what the MAC has established for in the future. Like, I don't know, you know, what that does. Is that, does that do more? Does that excite our crowd more to bring a Coastal Carolina or South Alabama into Worthen compared to Valparaiso? Right, you know, I, I, or a right state, or a, you know, whatever. Like I, I don't, I don't know, you know. But um, scheduling is 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 probably um, one of the most difficult things with this job. You get in the contracts, you get in, you know, and then there's dates and there's times, and you know, I mean, it's it's a mess. Um, and like I, I didn't, I, I really appreciate Earlham coming over here and, and playing for an opener. I tried. Um, we worked and worked and worked to get um, a home opener here um, that that I thought was, was, was good. Um, and we just, we just couldn't make the things work. And so very appreciative of Earlham coming over here. Like one of the teams that I had talked to you guys was, was Manhattan. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's great. But now next year I got to go to Manhattan and that's going to be a 40, $45,000 trip. Like is, you know, like I also got bosses I have to report to, you know, and I have a budget that I need to stay in. Like, is that, is that the best thing for our program? And so as I get a grip of the schedule in the future, um, I'd like to add some more regional opponents. 
It's really interesting things that you don't, I think, initially think about um, with these jobs. Well, safe travels over to Terre Haute. Good luck against the Sycamores on Saturday. And as always, Michael, we uh, really enjoy your time. Anytime, fellas. Thank you. Coach Michael Lewis right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Jake, I almost you know feel stupid for even saying this, but you know if they were to do one of those like, who is going to be the IU basketball coach in twenty twenty eight or twenty thirty or something like totally? I mean, you know, way yeah. down the road, and Vegas like sent out those odds. Uh, everybody would be a long shot on the list because it's foolish to predict something that far in advance. But I would assume Michael Lewis would be near the top, if not at the top. One would think that they are. That he's probably a Ball State runaway from a big-time job, right? If he leads Ball State to a couple tournaments. Right. You're right. I mean, a homegrown Indiana guy, you hear it right there in his voice, right? Just wanting to keep things close to the vet, close to home. And you Just know, came from UCLA, there. so you know, he's been on the national scene. Have you course. been to Pauley Pavilion? No. That's one that, you know, I love. Worthen Arena, to me, is really cool. Yeah, I've been to Worthen. And, and Pauley Pavilion is like the opposite. I mean, I, I have a, I've always kind of liked UCLA. I love their color scheme. I love their history. I feel like the yeah, atmosphere I like their is Alfred always coach there. when I'm watching Yeah, and like the, it, you go in, it's just, it looks like a middle school multi-purpose volleyball gym. It's like, what? Like, this is, you know. Clay versus Eastwood tonight in volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Eagles, right? Uh, what will we be looking for for Jeff Saturday um, in his debut coming up? 4.05, that kick in Las Vegas on Sunday. We'll chat about that next. Matt Taylor also joins us in about 15 minutes. Wabash uh, Wabash by six. I, I don't know. I seven and two little giants, eight and one tigers in Greencastle. Oh, it's in Greencastle. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Uh, Wabash or uh, DePaul by six. That's the line. It no. just it swung. I'll take Wabash plus six. Do you want to make a wager on it? Sure. Loser sings the fight song. Let's do it. So wait, which one am I getting? Uh, you've got DePaul, it sounds No, like. I don't want DePaul. I don't like the Dannys. I want Wabash. You just said that. No, but I want Wabash. I want Wabash no, to win. No, no, no. WAF, baby. Always fights. Little Giants for me. <laughs> no, That's I'm telling you. the fastest, like, 180. I'll take that. Why? I don't want to do that one. Well, you just pick I don't this. want the Dannys. you kidding me? I'm all Wabash, man. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So what I was saying there was... I think I'm co-hosting with Jim Irsay. God almighty. What was that? <laughs> what I was saying was, oh, wait a minute. I didn't realize that DePaul should be the favorite because it's at home, but I want Wabash to win. And then when you said WAF, I thought that means Wabash AF. <laughs> right? Maybe Always so I'm like, students, I, man. No, I, I'm, I am Wabash AF, man. Oh, this is a shame. I've got ties to Wabash. <laughs> I've got some great, great friends of mine that went to Wabash. I went to... Did we have a list of the history of the Monon? Yeah. I want to say, when I was in college, I went to... Well, obviously, I started at University of Kansas, but then I went to IU. My buddy Brad Fields went to Wabash, and I went to the Monon Bell game, I want to say, three years in a row to go hang out with Fields, and I think Wabash won all, all three years. They've won 10 of 12, Wabash. I think they're like seven or eight games up on the overall series. It's a great rivalry. I mean, kidding aside, and it the is... games are typically outstanding and they're right? always crazy right crazy games yeah it is it Rake, really is Rake's going to be going nuts tomorrow in the fourth quarter i mean everybody should at least once go to a mud on bell game it really is a super fun environment and obviously super cool that you know they're playing for a playoff berth i get that the bell is enough but um the playoff berth kind of adds 
to it. Jake, so I'm the- correct, by the way. Every year that I was in college, Wabash won. So I'm all in. I, I mean, I'm all, all, no, I take that back. They tied one year. So do you guys have a wager or what? And who's got which team? Let's talk in the 9 o'clock hour. Oh Jake God. will change his mind three more times. How about if you look at the now. results, though, it's literally, it's been a, a, the series itself has been, you know, one team will win six in a row and then the other one wins six in a row. And then, I mean, it's really balanced, but it's balanced in like eras of, I mean, Wabash won which, every game from 09 to 15. IU and, Purdue basketball has had that over the last like decade or yeah, so. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, right. Probably like, decade plus. Like little one team makes a run for a few years and then boom, yeah. it just completely swings the other way. Jake, I think the biggest thing I want to see out of Jeff Saturday's Colts on Sunday, I want to see an offensive line that's on the same page. I mean, I think, boy, that that would be his. That is the number one coaching item on my list. If I go back to Sunday, in New England. Did individual guys get their ass kicked in one-on-one, you know, pass rush moments? Sure. But I think more than anything, particularly early in the game, you just couldn't handle stunts. You couldn't handle the communication aspect, particularly on the right side of the line. Is Matt Pryor starting? And then uh, the other question would just be, get that unit on the same page. If they can, el- if they can communicate, well, it, they should eliminate just that absurd number that we saw on Sunday. And again, the Raiders are dead last in the NFL when it comes to sacks. By the way, several people have asked. Uh, the Mitch mystery was never solved. I have no idea who Mitch was. I have no idea why I had a Mitch appointment on my phone at 10. And I had no one named Mitch that reached out to me via email, text, phone, anything else, wondering to know where I was. So I have no clue whatsoever what my Mitch appointment was yesterday. But if Mitch is listening, my apologies. I, I, I don't know. It's a bit eerie. <laughs> I don't know. Son of a Mitch. I have no idea what that was all about. Matt Taylor's got to push it back a little bit. Yeah, he just texted. He said, can we, I know it's last second. Can we move to 930? I said, That's, That's good because I have a Colts question for you next, Kevin, that I feel like probably I'm, would not be fair to ask Matt Taylor. I feel like I'm... Maybe he's been asked to be like... I was going to say, I feel like something. I'm getting ready for that Monday press conference, which was supposed to begin at 630. The new wide receiver coach of the Colts going to join... No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I do have a question for you okay. next, Kevin. Let's Sound good? It. All right. Should we do the pop quiz too? Yeah. Yeah, what the hell? A little bit of juxtaposition of the 9 o'clock hour here. We'll do the pop quiz coming up in just a minute because Matt Taylor will join us at 9.30. Kevin, what I wanted to ask you is just to kind of clarify one more time because I think there was some confusion about this. Uh, I was confused yesterday over who Mitch was and why it was in my phone that I had an appointment with Mitch. Never did find out who Mitch was. So I never met with Mitch face-to-face. Um, so that would make me, Jim Ursay, and Frank Reich Mitch, right? Because they never met face-to-face. I realize that at least Jim Ursay knows who Frank Reich is. But um, they still have not met. Is that correct? I, I am under that impression. Yeah, Frank Reich now off to Charlotte. Um, got ties to that area. Used to live down there. Um, I, think, I think maybe a daughter or two of his live down there as well um yeah did not meet face to face jim ursa was out of town i don't know if he wanted to sightsee in foxborough for another day or could he have been in georgia was he meeting with jeff saturday face to face i would think that's probably possible right Uh, could he have been doing something with his band or a collection that's a good point honestly i think they were nashville that's kind of been their area lately the band situation do you find it I guess, what do you make of 
no other candidates. If Jeff Saturday says no, Frank Reich is coaching this team tomorrow or Sunday in Vegas. Do you just make of that Jim Mersey is just obsessed with this Jeff Saturday idea? More than anything? I think Jim Mersey is obsessed with the idea of Jim Mer- uh, of everyone and this is his right. He is the owner of the football team. But I think Jim Mersey loves the idea or can't get past the idea of any aspect of the Indianapolis Colts emphatically being the thumbprint of Jim Mersey and no one else. And and that it is very clear that anybody who is involved with the franchise is involved because Jim Mersey wants them there. And Jim Mersey selected them. Not Bill Pullian, not Chris Ballard, not Ryan Gr- Well, you know, wh- whoever, like... I know that I harp on this, and I apologize for that, but I truly, truly believe that a lot of the Indianapolis Colts in in post-Peyton Manning era, while Jim Irsay absolutely loved, appreciated, respected Bill Polian, Peyton Manning, and everything that they brought to his franchise— The only thing, if you could ask Jim Irsay to go back and do it all over again, would you take the Lombardi, would you, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing he'd like differently is for that during that era that the guy running the franchise and the quarterback that was playing did not become the names that were more synonymous with the horseshoe than the Irsay name. I truly believe that. He loved everything about it. Absolutely loved it, adored it, cherished it, worshipped it, and longs for it in every way, shape, or form, except for the fact that I do think that Jim Mercer started to have a little bit of discomfort with the fact that Bill Polian's name in this town became as synonymous with Indianapolis Colts as the name Mercer did. If, I truly believe that. If Jeff Saturday turns out to be a home run, won't that happen with Saturday? Except for that everyone you cannot tell the jeff saturday story jeff saturday could win eight straight super bowls now as the head coach of the indianapolis colts and the story cannot be told about jeff saturday without mentioning that jim ursay was the one person who put him there above and beyond anybody else yeah called him from the foxborough press conference from the owner's box correct anything on your mind sunday wise for the debut again offensive line communication would be one for me and number two would be does this team respond differently out of the gate? They were so bad starting games this season under Frank Reich. Do they get off to a better start? I don't know if they get off to a better start. What I'm curious to see is whether or not they do anything differently in terms of, you know, does Jeff Saturday, for example, being somebody who played offensive line, does Jeff Saturday look at the playbook and the plays that they were calling and coming up with and say, that's where they made a mistake. We, we were running the wrong kinds of plays for this for what this line brings to the table. I don't know that I, I mean I don't know. but if there's anybody that would be able to recognize that or see that, it would be Jeff Saturday, right? But wasn't he like consulting Chris Strasser? Yeah, I mean, fair point. Now who knows how much say or? how exactly that was unfolding. But, um, again, Bernard Ryman at left tackle, so we'll see the rookie again 
over there. We'll see Sam Ellinger at quarterback. As I've said all throughout the show, I'm starting to feel like Sam Ellinger's job for the final eight games is not as secure as maybe we thought it was. We'll see how all of that plays out. Jonathan Taylor was a full participant in practice yesterday, so a good sign on that front. Tight end-wise, we haven't really seen, I don't think, any injuries to that group this season. Jelani Woods, Mo Cox, both have missed the first two days of practice. So it could just be Ellinger and his high school teammate, Kylan Granson. Now we have a development here. My buddy Mitch Glansman says he'll meet me for brunch if it makes me feel better. So there is a Mitch now that is willing to meet I thought you said you didn't know anybody named Mitch. No, I said I knew Mitch Daniels. I knew uh, Mitch Glansman. And I know Taylor Tannenbaum's dog's name is Mitch, who I used to dog sit for, but they've moved. I think that's what it was. I think I had an appointment with the doggy, and then they moved, and so... That went out the window. I think that's what it was. Rosie's going to be driving. We're still going to be talking about Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a Mitch. I don't know. We'll see. Do you think CBS will lead in with like an hourglass soap opera theme for 405 on Sunday? What's that? I think CBS will lead in with a little soap opera hourglass <laughs> yes. theme. Yes. As the world turns, days of our lives, you pick it, right? And just to update everyone on the Raiders soap opera, we have... Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller both going on injured reserve yesterday. That would be what? The equivalent of like Paris Campbell and Moali Cox? I, I mean, much better version of Moali Cox, but much better version of Paris Campbell. Sure. Uh, and then their leading tackler from last week retired yesterday. <laughs> he just what? He just got up and decided he was done with it? Said blowing a seven, 17 point lead to Jacksonville is too much. Jake, I 1,000% agree with you. This from Greg. I moved here in 2000, and I had zero clue about the Ursay legacy and name. As far as I knew, Bill Pullian built the franchise, and Peyton Manning made the RCA Dome silent in the red zone on Sundays. I'm telling you. I know that that's really Freudian to me. I get it. No, Jake, I think it goes back to something I've mentioned here, and this dates back to... You know, several weeks ago, the Daniel Snyder comments I think has created an even more of a kind of that power trip feel inside of Jim Irsay. Fair. An element of I can do no wrong. And my issue with him really on, on Monday was less to do with the drastic nature or the unprecedented nature of the move and more to do with I listened to a guy on Monday night incredibly out of touch with the state of his franchise in terms of how we should view Jim Irsay's ownership right now. He wants all of us to live in that era and act like he can do no wrong. We were there on Monday night because the head coach that he hired is no longer whatever, qualified or no longer was coaching to the standard that you deem as acceptable, which I agree with. But to totally act like the 2000 to 2009 Colts, that era all of a sudden means that 13 years later, this franchise is still in the Pantheon or Pantheon, whatever of you know, great franchise in the NFL. It's just not true, right? Not at all. Again, I go back to I. I hate saying it, but I, you know, at talking to people this week that were out of town when this all went down, and they're like, "Yeah, man, I was in Chicago. Nobody was talking about the Colts. I was in Vegas. Nobody was talking about the Colts. I was in Phoenix. Nobody was talking about the Colts." I, you know, it's sad, but that's. It's hard to believe, Kevin, for me, 
you know, the Peyton Manning era to me does not seem long ago at all. To Scotty, it doesn't seem long ago, long ago at all. But that's because in the upper, in the quartiles of our life, it's in the upper quartile of the upper mm-hmm. quartile because we're older. But to somebody that's 30 years old, lifetime ago. Right. Yeah, I've said all along, if you are in the 30-ish age group, this is extremely foreign to you. How right. the cults are operating. Right. You know, you guys were used to a Robert Ursay. The Peyton Manning era was foreign to us. Yes, right. Right. That's a good way to look at it. You ready for the pop quiz? Yeah, one thing I do want to mention for the pop quiz, um, a guy that I would like to see show up and live up to what I was thinking when he arrived here on Sunday would be Yannick Ngakwe facing his old team. It's time for Ngakwe to make his presence. He felt. started to. I, he st- he was one of the few bright spots, I thought, where he showed a little bit of life in the last couple weeks. Relatively speaking, Kevin. Define a little bit of life. I, I mean, he made a play or two. You had to say his name. Matt Taylor had to say his name. We'll, we'll ask Matt Taylor when we have him on in 20 minutes. How often has he had to say Yannick Ngakwe? It sounds like Rakusin, who was traded for Yannick Ngakwe, has had a nice season out there. Um. But yeah, again, these are the storylines that in a normal week we'd be spending a little bit more time on, but we just haven't. My favorite thing that takes place in terms of storylines, and Kevin, you, this might have been one of the things that was underneath your umbrella, but for those that don't know, when you cover an NFL game and you have a credential, you go in and they put together a press packet that has stats and tidbits and storylines and things to look for over the course of the game. And my favorite is Connections. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm sure. talking about? Uh-huh. And the connections are things like the third string quarterback of the Raiders once ate at the same truck stop as Yannick Ngakwe as they were each traveling to Florida. I mean, it's like the most, it is so out there. You're laughing like you know what I'm talking oh, about, sure. right? Sure, yeah. Connection section this week a little bit more relevant. You know, this matchup has turned into kind of an annual thing. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Colts-Raiders has happened every single season in the Frank Reich era, which I guess is no longer. But Colts-Raiders, to me, when I think about the history of these two teams, and I know that they've had far more significant matchups, the one thing that I remember, and I've always thought it would be a fun story to like ask a Peyton Manning about, or Jeff Saturday, if they even recall this. The Colts and Raiders played each other on September either 10th or 11th of 2000. And by the end of the game, the Raiders won. Kind of an upset win in the RCA Dome. And by the end of the game, there was no one there to talk to Peyton Manning about it. There was no one there to ask Jeff Saturday about it, what happened. Very few, I should say. Chap would have been there. And a handful. But about midway through the first quarter of that game, the word got out, hey, IU is actually doing this. They are really going to fire Bob Knight today, and it's going to take place at the hotel by IUPUI. And I can't, no, I take that back. I take that back. This might have been actually the press conference where they, they were announcing the zero tolerance policy. Maybe that's what it was. But there was a spontaneous Bob Knight press conference with Miles Brand where they pulled like all of the national writers and most of the TV people that were at the RCA Dome covering the Colts-Raiders game were dispatched to go out and cover this Bob Knight press conference. So I remember sitting there and like John Clayton is there asking questions to Miles Brand and 
you know, different like NFL writers because whatever outlet they were working for, they were like, you got to get over there. We, you know, we didn't, this was a surprise. And so we got to get everybody over there. Hmm, I didn't real. I, I didn't realize all that. Yeah, there was the firing. I always thought it was cool in the. Um, do you remember a Sports Center used to do those like images of the decade, like a six minute kind of montage? Yes. Of oh, they're great. That's unfolded. Yeah. Great. They would like air it on Christmas night. Yeah, they put or, it to music. Yeah, yeah, really good. And for the two thousand, so the two thousand two thousand nine decade, the night scene that they showed was him and Dunn Meadow waving at the podium yep. and the podium is the IDS has it has like a little uh, name tag isn't the right word it was bigger than a name tag they've got like a little signage on the podium so the Indiana Daily Student which I right. wrote for so I was like oh man that's really cool that the IDS just got this podium out and said boom we're gonna put that up there and, and then Knight spoke to I mean what hundreds of students right and the irony of Bob Knight's last public words of adulation to the Indiana fan base coming from an IDS podium is also pretty rich. Sure, sure, sure. Yes, that is well said. Very rich. Well said. Uh, do we have callers for the pop quiz, Mark? Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Jake, we're going to uh, maybe audible a little bit here. Uh, Mike wanted to talk Monon Bell, and maybe he can participate in the pop quiz as well. Mike, do you want to do a little both? You want to chat Monon Bell and do the pop quiz? Uh, sure, I'm down for that. I love it. It is Freebie Friday, so Jiffy Lube oil change is coming your way. But let's talk a little Little Giants and Tigers coming up on Saturday. Yes, sir. So <clears throat> I was a Wabash class of 20 grad, and uh, one of those Sphinx Club members, the guys in the little white hat in the uh, sure overalls with the candy stripes. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I know the game pretty well. So the reason I was calling in is – the quarterback for Wabash this year, Liam Thompson, he was uh, <clears throat> one of the guys that went to the Peyton Manning, Eli Manning quarterback camp, and <clears throat> really was one of the stars there over there. So Archie Manning actually came out last year um, for the Monon Bell game and handed out the game ball and everything like that. So I do remember that he's Pretty the cool division. Stuff. He is the nation's leading passer in Division Three, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. See, I, I what this go. I think what it shows clearly. Um, this is Johnny this is, Manziel of D three. I remember watching. Him. You want to get yourself a football player? All you got to do is start skulking around North Central High School. That's what. That's the lesson to be learned here. You want to win. You want dominance in your program. Hail our Panthers! Hats off to thee. Just disregard the zero and nine season yeah, this year. I was gonna say how that, yeah. how that speech go? You gave the team the other week, Jake. I had Jeff Saturday do it. Uh, well, Mike. Uh, good luck. Uh, we have. Jake first, he's been waffling a little bit. He first said Wabash was a six-point favorite. He then heard that the line or that the game's in Greencastle. He's gone uh, now DePaul as a six-point no, favorite. DePaul, DePaul is probably the favorite, but Wabash is going to win the game. I, I ain't, Mike, what would the line be? Down with the Give Dannys. us an objective line for this game. Oh, God. I don't know. I mean, I, Wabash last year came back. DePaul had a 21-0 uh, lead, and Wabash came back and won. Um, and Wabash's offense is, you know, top tier this year, but DePaul's defense is good. I would go DePaul minus two and a half. Look at you. Look at this, folks. 
Uh, Go get yourself a GCB afterwards. Hey, Mike, we might need an over-under. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to good friend Jonathan Horn, a star of a Monon Bell victory for the Little Giants back in the day. Uh, Mike, you ready for the pop quiz? Uh, sure thing. Mike, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off here, or would you like for Kevin to give you question number one? Uh, let's, let's go with Jake today. That's a smart man right there. All right. The Colts face the Raiders on Sunday in lost wages. The Colts and Raiders played in the first AFC championship game, but who won it? That would be the Colts or the Raiders. This was on January 3rd of 1971. I will tell you it took place in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I'm going to say the Raiders won that one. Uh, DePaul, a friend of mine, uh, texts me and goes, this guy will go 0 for 5 on the pop quiz. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. So far, correct on one of them, right? Um, okay, name the Colts <laughs> running back who scored two touchdowns in the first AFC championship game. Tom Maddy, Norm Bulush. Stuart Scott Boulash, would have loved this guy, by the way. Jerry Hill or Sam Haverlack. Oh, God, you really touched my knowledge here. Stuart Scott uh, would have loved this guy. How old are you, Mike? You said you graduated in 2020? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm 24 years old. No, boy. This guy was big on Halloween. <laughs> um, can I get the names again real quick? Yeah, that would be Tom Matt. Actually, Tom Matty. Norm Bulash, Jerry Hill, or Sam Haverlock? Uh, let me see. Ghouls and uh, Goblins loved this player. Uh, let's go Haverlock. Okay. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Boy, so All right. Question so number three here. Buddy of mine might be right here. <laughs> On this day in 1981, this pitcher who actually hailed from Mexico and later played in the Mexican League and was known for rolling his eyes and staring towards the sky during his delivery, won the Cy Young Award and he won uh, the he was the first rookie to win the Cy Young. I should say. Is it Ron Guidry, Steve McCaddy, Fernando Valenzuela, or Dave Steve? Um. He Fernando. loved ABBA, by the way. Fernando here. Okay. All right. Little Giants have created some momentum here. Uh, number four, <laughs> yesterday was the 38th anniversary of Frank Wright coming off the bench to lead Maryland back from a 31-point deficit to defeat the defending national champion Miami Hurricanes 42-40 at the Orange Bowl. Who did Wright replace at quarterback for the Terrapins? His roommate, Boomer Esiason, Scott Zolak, Dan Henning, or Stan Gelball. Uh, is it Boomer, his roommate? I mean, this, this pop quiz. Scotty, this pop quiz. Shit, I mean, <laughs> God, I apologize, Mike. All right, last question for you, Mike. In honor of Veterans Day, who is the first active Major League Baseball player and a swell, swell fellow, by the way, to enlist in the armed forces following the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th of 1941? Was it Bob Feller? Hank Greenberg, Joe DiMaggio, or Ted Williams? Um, Bob Feller. Okay. He enlisted in the Navy, by the way, on December 9th of 1941. So that one was indeed correct. Uh, other than that, you basically went straight to paw on this whole deal, Mike. I hate to tell you that. Uh, question number one, the Colts actually won the AFC Championship game in 1971 by a final score of 27-17. to 17. You blew it! Uh, what was he? Yeah, boy, Fernando Mania was a real deal, too, in 1981. I traded, Pat Wanzer traded me uh, a ticket after an Allisonville Little League game uh, 
for the concession stand for Fernando Valenzuela's rookie card. So I got a Fernando Valenzuela rookie card out of the deal, and he got an extra snow cone. Well, if he got a walking taco, then he won the deal. <laughs> Don't worry about your effort, Mike, because you know what they say. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many <laughs> games Michael Jordan's lost? You're right there. That's a great point by Mr. Ursay. That's solid. Solid indeed. Um, we have Matt Taylor coming up. We have Matt Ryan. We have Matt Taylor coming up here in about seven minutes. Uh, Mark, do we want to hit a morning check down? Yeah, let's do that. Morning check down before we get to Matt Taylor. The morning check down brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The DePaul friend goes one for five. Same record as his college <laughs> applications. <laughs> He also threw in there, hint, none of them went to an all-boys school at some point during the question and answer. I feel like that's a common DePaul dig. Of course. In Crawford's. Of course. And then the Wabash guys say, well, yeah, that's because we want to study over the course of the week, and then we have all the girls from DePaul come visit us. It's cool, right? Don't necessarily think that's how it plays out, but... (laughs) I'm just telling you, that's, you know... Uh, Where should we begin last night? Thursday night football, 20... It was not a score, Gami? Is that what we decided? Not a score got me. It happened three times before. 25-15 the final last night. I don't know if in the previous uh, three times it was the Carolina Panthers over the Atlanta Falcons, but that's how it went last night in on Amazon Prime that nobody watched, right? Uh, big night for Deontay Foreman. 130 rushing yards. Carolina ran for 232, and again, they beat the Falcons by 10. Uh, Indiana last night, 101-49 winners over Bethune-Cookman in college basketball. Hoosiers now 2-0. Trace Jackson-Davis had 21. Miller-Kopp had 12. Indiana was, uh, what were they from the three-point? They were 10 of 24 and then 21 of 22 from the foul line. So they got to be able to shoot the ball. Trey Galloway had 10. I thought Indiana did a good job of finding shooters in the corners uh, in terms of their offense and ball rotation, but they're going to have to shoot the ball well over the course of the year. That's the one question mark for them. Notre Dame, 79-76 over Radford. That's not Wayne Radford, by the way, the late, great Wayne Radford. Uh, Notre Dame now 1-0 on the season. Indiana's second unit's played really well these first couple games. At Xavier will be next up for Mike Woodson's bunch. Um, NBA-wise, no Pacers until tomorrow night. That'll be the Raptors over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Toronto's in Oklahoma City tonight. So um, for someone that has financial investment in the Pacers win-loss total, I like to see that. That is an 8 o'clock road trip in Oklahoma City, the back-to-back. Uh, Pascal Siakam's been banged up for them. He's got an ankle issue. Doesn't sound like he's going to play. Uh, you see the Pacers news yesterday. I don't really know if a lot of people pay attention to it, but Daniel Tice, knee surgery. I saw that. Going to continue to be out. indefinitely. I also saw that they came up with city jerseys, and the Pacers are the worst ones. Oh, they're terrible. Mark and I, no, we no, discussed I, that. I don't know we anybody here. that liked them. Yeah, they're pretty bad. All the city jerseys, look, I'm all for coming up with different looks and schemes. I know that it's for young people. Kids like that stuff. That's cool. They all looked ridiculous. Like, it, it literally was... There are so many different like. cool... Like The Golden like, State Warriors one I didn't get. It was like a flower blooming at the bottom. I didn't understand that one at all. it was like a gold medal at the bottom when I first it looked saw like it. A, it looked like a rose. I don't why know. Why would you not, for the Denver Nuggets, why would you not just go back to the... The multicolored yeah. skyline. I saw a few of those uh, on Wednesday I mean, night. Those things are awesome. Well, then I saw a couple like ads for the like, go get your city jerseys. They're, they've just dropped. And there was one. It was like from Fanatics or whatever. 
and they had for each jersey they had the skyline of the city on coming up from the bottom of the jerseys. I'm like, well, that looks way better than these yes. ones we're seeing. Yeah. I'd love to see one with like the Indianapolis skyline in it. Yeah, the Pacers have not tanked this year on the floor. They've tanked in the city jersey. I mean, those things. I, I don't get it. What What does it even mean? It's some sort of like supposed to construction, and we because they're reconstructing the franchise. And, is that what it is? Jeez, ah, they're wearing them tomorrow night. With the first of like 10 times, now, right? Yeah. unpopular opinion here. I don't like the city jerseys, but it is. I thought the Hickory thing was cool for a season. After like four years, it was like, oh my gosh, we're still but doing this. But they don't this. do those anymore, right? No, I think that's done now. But in the beginning, it was like, are we really still doing this? Scott Agnes says the city additions for all NBA teams this year are supposed to showcase the history and culture of teams and their cities. So what's the culture the of the culture, Pacers? The model off the field house with the theme, quote, built for basketball. Maybe it's okay. it's an ode to the constant construction around downtown. That's what I said. I said it's it's under construction. That's the name of the jersey this year. Uh, Purdue Austin P tonight. I think it's 630. Does that sound right from West Lafayette? Everything tomorrow in college football is at noon, by the way, of note, right? Yeah, all the local teams are playing at noon. I don't think Purdue's playing at 6.30 now that I start scrolling through the old schedule here. Friday night has become a big night for college hoops. 7 o'clock, Big Ten Network, Purdue against Austin P. Is that the Governors? That is the Governors, yep. Austin P. when I think of them, I think of the fact that one of my favorite IU one-year wonders, Andre Harris, junior college transfer that was a rebounding machine oh, yeah. on the 86 team, transferred to Austin P. I feel like he had a prominent season on the brink. I don't know, maybe Correct. just multiple pages, but... He definitely was mentioned in that. Um, all right. Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. He joins us next. Kevin Corey. Yeah, there's a football game. 405 from Las Vegas. Colts and Raiders coming up. Our coverage. What am I seeing up there, Mark? One o'clock, looks like. Begins for us uh, leading into Sunday's game. Obviously, a ton to get to storyline-wise. And Matt Taylor, maybe I should have texted you to give you a little bit of heads up, but I, I kind of wanted to start off with just you interacted with Frank Reich a whole lot. Um, you know, you talked with him on Monday nights, Colts Roundtable Live. We'll hear Colts Happy Hour tonight, and um, you and Frank talked every Friday as well, and I think had a, a lot of interaction. Um, just kind of wanted to give you the chance to um, chat about your relationship with Frank Reich um, during a time professionally where things changed a whole lot for you in, in becoming the uh, voice of the Colts. Yeah, um, no, I, I appreciate that because that—that's the hardest part of, of this for me. You know, it's—it's it's a—you it, know—it's—it's it's a tough, cold-hearted business. It's a bottom-line deal, and so everybody knows what they're getting into when you sign up for it. But uh, you know, I—I I, I had a really good relationship with Frank, and and actually, it's more Frank than it was me. Um, you know, Frank just treated me with a lot of kindness and respect, and you know, like I was thrown into a a tornado in, in 2018, um, you know, when, when everything happened, you know, on the interim basis with me and, um, he made it just, uh, incredibly easy for me to, uh, gain information from him. Uh, he treated me with a ton of kindness and respect and, uh, also just trust as well, because we would, we would talk about, you know, game plan stuff and, you know, out of respect for him, I never asked him more than what I thought I really needed to know that would help me in terms of game preparation and just kind of like setting up your spotting chart and being able to anticipate, you know, a guy in this role or this guy's going to play in this package. Um, 
so he didn't have to do that. He, you know, he, he obviously would give me information on a Friday um, and, and trust me with it and, and know that I was going to hold it and, and not do anything with it because it was just going to help me you know, do my job better. Um, and so I just learned a lot about the game from Frank and, uh, you know, just admired the way he, you know, carried himself and, and handled his business in good times and in bad. And, you know, so from that standpoint, I'm really going to miss uh, those conversations on Mondays and Fridays because he was just a total pro. Um, and he, he answered the bell every single time and he just made it easy on me. I mean, in fact, there were times where, you know, the Colts would, they would lose a game or they would stub their toe or it would be a, you know, a tough, you know, day after having to come in and do a Monday show. And he would apologize to me. He's like, sorry, I made your job harder. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like who says that? Um, so from that angle, I'm going to miss Frank Reich as a, as a person. Cause he was a really, um, he was a really good person to interact with. And again, he just treated me with a lot of kindness and respect. Have you interacted with him since the news that he was no longer part of the organization? Yeah, I, I dropped him a line, and uh, he got back with me. And, uh, you know, I know his phone's probably blowing up. And so I, I gave him a couple of days to, um, you know, kind of get his get his things in order. I know he's, you know, going to visit with uh, family right now. He's probably in North Carolina visiting with family. So um, I shot him a line, and, and uh, you know, we kind of did it that way. But, uh, yeah, kind of left him alone for a couple of days because I know his, his – uh, his phone's probably been blown up with a lot of people just wanting to, you know, chat and, and figure out what his next move is. Matt, will there be a challenge for Jeff Saturday? I guess if you could kind of give us an idea within the locker room, and I know that you're not like actively like in the locker room, but you're in the building. So I don't think anybody denies that Jeff Saturday is a super likable and believable guy. And I mean, everybody likes Jeff Saturday, right? But everybody liked Frank Reich a lot in terms from the player standpoint and speaking of him, the way in which you are, will that make things at all difficult for Jeff Saturday? Is he walking into a similar tornado as you did in terms of getting people to believe in him? Yeah. I mean, that's his challenge this week. And he was real about that. He's got to build up trust and he's got to build up loyalty and, you know, he was, uh, you know, on, on one end, he was honest about that. And I think the players uh, in the locker room are honest about it as well. You know, Zaire Franklin said, you know, trust. And um, again, I just use the word loyalty and, uh, you know, belief that that's built up over time. And so guys are definitely going to come in and respect uh, Jeff Saturday because of, you know, his resume and the fact that he's, you know, very well spoken and has a terrific, you know, football IQ and, I mean, just the fact that he's been on, I mean, he said it the other day, right? 14 seasons, 13 seasons in the NFL and, you know, 12 of those years making the playoffs and AFC championship games and Super Bowls and playing with Hall of Famers and, you know, guys that are in the ring of honor around him that he played with. So there's there's no question he, he knows good football when he sees it and he knows how to prepare to play well on Sundays. But that's going to be his challenge this week is, you know, getting, and I think that's, I think that's why he's here is, just trying to, you know, come in and, and build a spark and, and, and build some unity within this team right now. And, you know, despite the fact that he's never coached at any level other than high school in Georgia, um, you know, he, he knows what it is to be a head coach. You're sort of an administrator of the staff. And you're, you're trying to, again, just build up belief and, 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 and gain that unity inside the locker room. And so he's going to have to do that in short order. But, um, you know, at least for this game anyways, but I think that that major trust, that major buy-in, you know, that's obviously going to have to come over time as, 
you know, this season goes on here with eight games to play. Again, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Colts off to Las Vegas this weekend. Matt Taylor will be out till the wee hours of the morning uh, coming up Saturday oh, night. Yeah. Just the oxygen <laughs> just pumping into his body from the uh, casinos. Bet on black or yeah. bet on they red? Got, they got no going? clocks in those casinos, Matt. Be careful. That's right, man. You're going to have to scrape me off the pavement yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Anybody say Taylor? You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, Take the late bus. I'm taking the late bus. <laughs> there is a football game, and you probably more than anybody know that because you've had to prepare for it all week long. And the Raiders are two and six, Matt. But I would also argue, in terms of a quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio, this is probably the best trio the Colts have faced all season in Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and Devonta Adams. No, without question. I mean, this is. You got two and six and three, five and one, and the amount of star power on on both sidelines for both of these teams that are under five hundred uh, is, is alarming. And I know that Hunter Renfro is not going to play. Same thing with Darren Waller, um, and then in fact Blake Martinez, who's one of the best tacklers since you know two thousand sixteen. He just retired, so there's a lot of you know even more interesting storylines in this game. But yeah, I mean for a two and six team. Um, they, they've got so much talent to be, you know, underperforming to this degree. I mean, Demonte Adams leads the NFL in catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns among wide receivers since 2016. You guys both know how much I like Derek Carr as a player and, and sort of admire, you know, what he's been able to accomplish on some bad teams with bad defenses, you know, complementing that offense. Um, and then you look for the Colts sideline. They've got seven Pro Bowlers last year, a bunch of All Pro players. So both teams are, you know, very underwhelming to this point in terms of expectate expectations that that you know the outside, uh, you know, media, if you will, had uh, in place for them at the beginning of the season. Um, so yeah, this is this is a very very interesting game with all of that firepower on offense for the Raiders. You know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. They've lost, you know, five games this year and. I should say they're 0-5 in one-score games, and they've blown three games where they're up by at least 17 points, which is tied for the most 17-point-blown uh, 17 17 leads in NFL history. Um, so, yeah, they're trying to put it all together here. There's still eight games to play for both of these teams. In fact, the Raiders have nine games because they've already had their bye. Um, so they're kind of at a crossroads here, both of them, and uh, trying to get on a, a little bit of a roll. But... Um, I actually think the Colts have a really good chance to win this football game, despite all of the changes they made this week, because defensively they're not very good. And then on offense, you know, they've, they've lost some of that uh, security blanket for, for Derek Carr with Renfro in the slot and then with the hybrid matchup that Darren Waller presents. Matt, I'm hoping you can do me a favor here and repeat after me. You ready? Um, I, well, it depends on what you say. <laughs> y- Yannick Ngakwe. Y- unique Ngakwe. Sorry, Unique Ngakwe. Okay, go ahead. So we'll do it again. Unique Ngakwe. Y- y- unique Ngakwe. Okay, we just wanted verifiable proof that you were able to say his name because you haven't had much occasion to this year. Oh, but geez, Kevin boy. and I, well, I, but I said to Kevin, it, it there were not a lot of silver linings in the last you know week or two for the Colts, but but I felt like he was starting to percolate just a little bit. Uh, am I being too optimistic about him? No, and in, in fact, I think he's been. I think he's played better than maybe under the radar. He's played better than than maybe what the outside perception is of him. And I know a lot of people just point to the sacks. You know, he's only got X amount of sacks, and that's the end all, be all. But 
I mean, I think this defensive line and this this defense as a whole has played very, very well. And and I think the the unfortunate part of it is that they they just don't have anything to show for it, right? Because you're on a three-game losing streak. And, you know, I know they gave up that 89-yard drive to the Commanders a couple of weeks ago there in the fourth quarter. But outside of that, I mean, you look up all of a sudden here now, this defense is, you know, fifth in the NFL in in total yards. And I think their points allowed, their, their points against them, is a very deceiving number. And I think, Kevin, you would agree because of all the short fields that the, the offense has put the defense in. Um, I mean, if you just go back to last Sunday, I mean, I said earlier this week, the, the block punt that resulted into a touchdown a couple of plays later when the Patriots offense was out there, and then the Colts threw a pick six. Outside of that, in the last two games, it's been a boatload of field goals. And so I, I think this defense right now is kind of hitting its stride and I think you can kind of lump in Unique Ngakwe with that as well. I think that the strength of this team right now is the defensive line with Ngakwe. Grover Stewart's playing out of his mind. DeForest Buckner has five sacks in the last five games, and he's playing compromise still. He's still got that elbow injury. So I think this defensive line is doing some really good things, and Ngakwe's playing against the run better, and you know that's something that's not going to show up in the box score. He does have a couple of sacks in the last couple of games. So he's going to be fired up for this game. You know, anytime you're traded, you know, even if you're going to a perceived better, you know, destination, if you will, anytime you're traded, you do have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. And obviously, I think the same goes, uh, the same is true for Rocky Seen, you know, because he was the other end of that trade on the Colts end going to Las Vegas. Um, so there's going to be some juice in this game. Gus Bradley going up against Derek Carr. You know, those two guys squared off every day in practice last year. So this is going to be a fun game despite all the storylines that happened before the game kicked off this week. It's funny, Matt. I mentioned yesterday I went on with uh, JT the Brick who does Raiders radio and to yeah. do like a preview. And and I, I actually name-dropped you because I told him, I said, look, there aren't a lot of times that I've exchanged midnight text messages with Matt Taylor for the obvious reasons, but one of them would be one night, I don't remember when it was, but Derek Carr made some play and you and I both were like, look, man, that's why we like this guy. <laughs> I just, I mean, I think he can flat-out play, man. I do, yeah. I mean, and he's and he's having you know a little bit of a, a tough go here with the transition with uh, with uh, with the new head coach and the new play caller and McDaniel's. But yeah, there's just times over the years, and, and I really fell in love with him in 2019. You know, it's kind of an early season game. I think it was like week three, week four. The Raiders came in here, and he just he orchestrated just a a, a surgical game against the Colts, and I just came away. Uh, you know, from that game, thinking this, this guy can be my quarterback anytime. He is, and plus, he's a leader of men. He you is. Know, you see him in the you see him in the locker room. He says all the right things in uh, in press conferences and after games. You know, with with interviews, he's a very likable guy, in my opinion. And the crazy thing, and as, as I said before, he's had a bunch of bad, bad defenses since he broke into the league in 2014. You know, if he's like Tom Brady with the Patriots early in his career, where he's got you know, a team that's going to hold somebody to under 20 points routinely, we might be thinking of, of Derek Carr maybe in a different light. But, yeah, I, I, I definitely do not shy away from my bromance with Derek Carr. Matt Taylor, last one from me. Um, I mentioned on Sunday something I'd like to see from a Jeff Saturday coach team is just better communication on the O-line. You know, the mishandling of stunts was a big, big problem for this team early on in Foxborough on Sunday. Whether it's practice-wise with Saturday now running the show or Sunday, 
Um, what do you think we might see differently? I think it's really hard to just come in midseason, not know the offense, yeah. defense, special teams, and implement a whole lot. But what do you think we might see? And maybe it'll be hard to see, I guess, some of the stuff. Yeah, I, that's a great question. And I, I don't have the answer to that because, I mean, you're talking about Jeff Saturday, uh, never been on an NFL sideline as a coach before. Uh, Parks Fraser calling plays. First time he's going to do that. So you're right. They're not going to just scrap the entire playbook because you can't do that. You don't have enough time to do that. Um, so I would I would suspect and, and assume, and again, this is an assumption on my part, you're just going to simplify some things. That's what I thought, know, Matt. I, honestly, I mean, I, not to cut you off there, my apologies, but sure. I I, th- I said the same thing earlier. I'm like, you know, maybe Jeff Saturday's a guy that because he's been in the trenches as a lineman knows like, hey, in order to get this thing in the right direction, let's simplify it first and then build from there. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And Parks Frazier so, said that yesterday. You know, the the less you think, I mean, I can, I can raise my hand on this one. The less you think, the better you are. <laughs> so, I mean, it's keep it simple, stupid. That's the KISS method. And you know, so I, I think that's might that might be where the Colts, you know, try to, to to win this week is just let's let's pick the things that we do really well in, and at the end of the day, execution beats everything else. And so the less you think out there, it might be better for the offensive line. And I know they've got a lot of, you know, some some rules and principles they have to follow, and that always gets kind of muddied up and mucked up when uh, you talk about you know stunts and line games and twists and things like that. It can get confusing. So, the, so when you simplify things, again, the less you think, and then maybe you have a higher degree of execution because of that. But um, the, the, from, a, from an offensive standpoint, with all this newness, um, it's definitely going to be fascinating. It's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, identity-wise what this offense looks like now. What happens in Vegas? Well, if you, lose, if you lose, you hope it stays in Vegas. If you win, you want it coming back. It's a really good point. <laughs> Very good point. You guys are my wolf pack. Thank you. That's right. Gosh, I feel honored. I'm adding that to my Twitter profile. We're the three best friends that anybody could ever have. Mate, enjoy. Hey, I'll I'll be your Doug, all right? I'll be your Doug. That's right. Enjoy the trip. Longest one of the year for the Colts. I know it kind of creates a chaotic week for you next week, uh, but safe travels. Have a great call. Uh, It's all good. I appreciate you guys. Matt Taylor right there, voice of the Colts. Yes, the longest road trip of the year, right? What would be second? Would Houston be second? I guess Denver. Yep. Uh, you know, Houston and Denver are probably pretty parallel in terms of the mileage. The longest NFL road trip is Seattle to Miami, right? Or vice versa? I've made that flight from Seattle to Miami. Why? Um, I was in Seattle covering the Colts versus the Seahawks. And it was, I hate to say this, Kevin, but it was the weekend of, or the same week as Tony Dungy's son's Uh, funeral, which I also had to cover. And so I went from A to B. And many Colts players made it. The the, entire team. team Of course, they went back to Indy first. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's like a six and a half hour flight, which at the time was the longest I've ever been on until I've been to Hawaii. And then obviously the one I just went on. Oh, five season. Is that right? That's correct. Before the Super Bowl? That's correct. I remember thinking there's no way anybody's beating these guys. Yeah. I can't remember if I went from Tampa to Seattle or Seattle. The Seattle game was on Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. The Seattle game was on uh, Christmas Eve. Right. And so, yes, actually, I think it was. I can't, again, I can't remember the order whether we went from. It must have been that we went maybe from Tampa to Seattle. Either way, um, I recall that the local media 
because of the fact the game was on Christmas Eve and there were no flights back to Indianapolis. So it must have been that I went from Tampa to Seattle because to go from Seattle back to Indy, we had to stay the night in Seattle and then fly back on Christmas Day. And the Colts had offered for the local media that was going to be able to fly back on the team plane so we could get back on Christmas, and Bill Polian declined it. Hmm. Said, no way. The Rams did do that for us when I was in St. Louis, and the same situation presented itself. Not too shocking, knowing how he operates. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's give out our picks. Jake will probably pick Wabash and DePaul to close out the show. That's right. So we got to do it quickly in terms of our picks. My apologies, we're way over. Um, Kevin, I I really feel like the Colts could get, like, this often happens. When there's a coaching change, they suddenly get some jolt. And then I think, I don't know how they're going to score enough points. Mm, well, that's a big objective in winning football. But games. I don't know that the Raiders are going to be able to score points either. 17-13, Colts win. Um, 29, I'll go with the Raiders. I'll take uh, the little Giants, 27-24. Over to Paul. Wait, what was your final Colts Raiders score? Twenty nine. What? Twenty to nine. Twenty to nine. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take the Raiders and Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Twenty six to fourteen. Yeah, I just think Jacobs and Adams are way too dynamic. Yeah. I mean, think about the Colts running back and wideout opponents this year. Thirty one twenty seven Wabash. By the way, not a lot of great talent. Any other picks you want to make for the weekend? Um, I like uh, the Steelers minus one and a half at home over the Saints. Hmm. Interesting. Where's Purdue, Illinois? At Illinois. Six and a half. Campaign. The fighting line. Unfortunately, I think Illinois wins that game. I really hope Purdue wins, but I got a bad feeling. Indiana covering 40. <laughs> 39 and a half now, Kev. Just saying that out loud just makes me it's wild. Oh, man. Bitten in awe. Come give me on. the Bears minus three against the Lions and the Dolphins minus three and a half against you the Browns. Homer. Oh, come on. It's game on. Uh, Joe Wrights will be sliding in the chair for Jeff Saturday on Mondays. Uh, I don't know about permanently, but at least for this, this Monday, Monday? seven thirty. Yeah, see if we can get him a job too, coaching. <laughs> Everybody have a great weekend, enjoy, and uh, we will chat with you Monday at seven a.m. right here. See you, boys. On the fan.